0: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona, every week here on ACB Media 1.0. That's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday edition. And the gang is all back together finally. We've had some some stops and starts with convention and and um, you know ACB media taking a, a short but well-deserved needed break from you know producing on-air content shows right after the convention. And then there was a little bit of sickness. And of course, we had our auction winning show last week with Andrea de Klotz, who did a fabulous job hosting sunday edition i know in the upcoming months um i'll need a few weekends off here and there and um i will probably have melissa hudson who also hosted the show once before and andrea come back and host for you guys so that we have continuity and and new shows but um byron it seemed like you guys had a lot of fun last week what'd you think
2: I think we had a a really fun time. I think uh, she did a really good job at hosting Sunday edition, but um, the dynamic duo is back. (laughs) I see you are getting much, much well
1: good use out of your new, um, what do we call it? Is it a soundboard, a mixer?
2: Um, Yeah, this is called the Procaster. um, This is called the Rode Procaster 2. And uh, I have all these like pads on here so I can do fun things like. um, So, you know, when you tell a stinker there, Anthony, uh, I can uh, trigger a sound effect.
1: (laughs) And how about that all important, like raucous, I mean, foot stomping applause. You got one of those for me? (laughs)
2: Your adoring fans are yeah. waiting Anthony.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I like to hear. You know, I've gotten quite a few compliments on the new opening and outro and I always have to say listen, I recorded a very basic voice note and sent it to Byron and asked him to please just hook me up and apparently the verdict is in you uh you made us sound like a professional CNN, Fox News, MSNBC show and people really like it. So Kudos and hats off, Byron! Thank you so much for you know for making us sound all kinds of professional and cool. Um, I wanted to take a moment. I'm sure you're probably going to turn a little red, but you know you're my you're my bro in action. So, um, unfortunately, it was not the convention you expected. But I wanted to re um, remind everybody out there that Byron was one of this year's J.P. Morgan Chase Fellows. Um, He, you know, I was honored last year. I I know he was very, very honored and, you know, humbled by the experience. But unfortunately, you were kind of um, sequestered from most of the convention. So, you know, with a couple of weeks out, is there anything you want to say to folks out there about, you know, receiving this honor, but also, you know, your experience itself?
2: Yeah, so uh, I had a really good time at the convention um, for the first day. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I had a, a nice lunch with my roommate, Dwayne, and I got to go to the board meeting and, um, you know, take a little walk around the hotel, check out the pool area. And then the next day, I felt a little tickle in the back of my throat. And I went, uh-oh, I I should probably, you know, get a COVID test and make sure that I'm okay. So we did an Instacart order. I didn't know that there were COVID tests available um, you know, for the convention. So we we went and ordered one, uh, and it came back positive. And so I, I hurriedly told Anthony and Gabriel and everyone, I'm going to have to um, stay in my room and, and not participate because I have the COVID. So um, I did get to listen to a lot of the convention through the Zoom and, and streaming uh, provided to us by ACB Media. And Anthony, you called me <clears throat> and allowed me Good. to participate in one of the events over your cell phone, which is great. So I got to listen to you eating uh, cheese and, and fruit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he led, led around the room by Zelda or Anthony
2: Hackamy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Anthony, um, Anthony from Hawaii was really nice. And he brought me these like chocolate covered macadamia nuts and um, a Hawaiian lei and um, it was just um, it was nice. Everybody came and checked on me. Um, I, I had food brought to me by everybody in my contingency. Um, everybody uh took good care of me and made sure that I had medication and food and and lots of Gatorade.
1: Well, you know, one thing that was um, uh, what do you call it? A uh, down disappointment was you myself and Leah had planned our own trip to zipline that unfortunately was unable to happen but we're planning to skydive in Schomburg so if any of us happens to get COVID I am going to purchase a gas mask off of Amazon so that we have it at the ready if anyone happens to get COVID they can just strap on the gas mask because we're jumping out of a plane in chicago
2: (laughs) yes we definitely have to do something fun and extreme at the next convention for sure
1: all right well um i you know it's it's august it's a slow month everybody is kind of recovering from convention and resetting themselves for the year to come so i only have two announcements for today and as always folks out there if you're having programming or you're starting a new call or whatever it may be if you have an announcement for sunday edition please send it to Sunday Edition. AC. Like AC, hold on. Come, Alexa, stop. <laughs> Seriously? I have no <laughs> idea how that happened. <laughs>
2: wow that is so funny well at least we know that you're on the air
1: <laughs> i'm gonna have to unplug her because she's been really naughty and she's not listening to us lately
2: yeah uh, they're, they're known to do that
1: <laughs> yeah okay let's let's reset wow that was fun let's reset this again um if you have any ann- announcements for sunday edition it's sunday edition ac at gmail.com so I have been asked to remind folks that the convention survey went out this week. I don't know, Byron, if you filled yours out, but I filled mine out. It's a SurveyMonkey survey. It's pretty darn easy. It's just a series of questions. Next button, another series of questions. You can opt out to the demographics. But the more a diverse of an opinion, you know, of data pool, data information that they have, the more informed choices the convention planning team and, and our leadership can can have to work with when planning next year's hybrid conference and convention in Schaumburg. So if you haven't found it in your, if you haven't seen it in your email, please check your junk email. If it's not there, you can always call the Minneapolis office. They'll send you the link. And in that email, there is a handy dandy phone number. If you are not somebody that wants to go through, you know, 20 something questions and keep hitting next, you can also use that phone number to, um to complete your survey and again the more data that we have the more of us who voice our opinions i know that the conversations on leadership and and um conversation have been pretty robust but you know this is the tool that they're going to use to analyze all of our data so please go and fill out that convention survey form also artist basin and ivy have an announcement for us they're doing a business expo On November 12th. Byron, can you read
2: us the text from that announcement? I can. Uh, It says IVIE, independent visually impaired entrepreneurs, is planning an online shopping experience called the IVIE Online Business Expo, where those who have a business can share their products and services for 30 minutes or an hour for a fee less than members, less for members. Uh, The date is Saturday, November 12th. They can call Artis uh, Basin at 818-238-9321. That number again is 818-238-9321. Or send an email to info at ivie-acb.org. That's info at ivie-acb.org. acb.org. You can leave the clearing of the throat out when you're typing there for more information, uh, on cost and times available. Of course, anyone can attend to check out the purveyors by registering to receive the zoom link. So again, I'll just give that number and email address one more time. That number is 818-238-9321 or info at ivie-acb.org. And you
1: know what? I lied. A little bit of extra publicity never hurts. So I will mention the ACB Holiday Auction, which benefits ACB Media, where you may or may not be listening to Sunday Edition right now. Um, Contact Leslie Spoon if you have some donations that you'd like to donate to the auction. Um, And a lot of us has been thinking out of the box, as we experienced last week on Sunday Edition, Andrea Bid And one um, to host a week of Sunday edition, I'll be throwing that in again, Gabriel and I do our wine package. And I'm also playing around with a human interest offering where I will write the human interest piece version of your life story. You know, we'll do, you know, a series of interviews and I will take the most pertinent information and find a fun way to put that together and you'll forever have a professional bio going forward. So look for that in this this upcoming holiday auction. Byron, any news that you want to share before we open up into today's conversation?
2: Um, I can't think of any, anything right now. Um, I just want to say that I'm glad that everybody seems to be, um, getting back on the horse health wise. Um, after, after convention, I'm so happy to hear that. And, um, ACB is just really ramping stuff up again. Now that we're, we're all rested and recuperated from convention. It's time to get back to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: Well, speaking of regularly scheduled program, do you want to give a quick shout out to the fun zone? And we, I wasn't here last week, or I would have asked then, how is Weird Al? (laughs) (laughs)
2: well i got to see weird al uh last weekend and it was amazing um and uh the fun zone this week we're doing an episode about candy because we went to minnesota's largest candy store so i will be looking for songs about sweets and candies and and things like that at least for the first hour of the show so you can find that at byronlee.com every sunday at 7 p.m central
1: all right, awesome. I am very thrilled and I, I'd be on pleased to be able to announce these three guests for Sunday edition today. If you have questions, comments, you want to congratulate them, uh, please hit up the Sunday edition link. It's a generic link. So every every week you can use the same link to get into Sunday edition. It is all over the leadership and convention uh, and conversation email list. If you want to join us, please hit the link. Katie Lear, thank you so much for being our hostess with The Mostess today and You're welcome. Gabriel Rachel and Terry welcome to Sunday edition or well, welcome back you've all been here before this is awesome
3: I actually have not been on Sunday edition before
1: Rachel this you haven't been, been here have I.
3: I have not uh I've listened but I've never been on the show and Gabriel said he hasn't. Wow. I
4: haven't. I I what? popped in for <laughs> announcements and stuff, but I've never been invited to Sunday Edition. Believe it wow. or not. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, Mister, you stop that. Put the person,
1: put the personality in your brain in charge. Who knows what's going on? You were here for Hispanic Heritage Month. You were here for BPI. You've been here multiple times, my friend.
4: <laughs> As exactly, but Ripley. not exactly. i I've, I've been here for Hispanic Heritage Month. And I've been here for BPI, but I have never been here for Gabriel Lopez-Cafadi. Wow, you know what? <laughs> All right, we can we can look at it that way. And Sari, how are you doing today?
5: And I'm doing well, thank you. And I've been on Sunday edition a couple of times. Once I had the honor, way back in my early days of doing Zoom calls and visibilities, uh, I had the honor of hosting once a couple of years ago now, I think it is.
1: That's right. Yes. What a great show that was too. I'm
5: glad one of us remembers it.
1: Well, contrary to what a few my, out there might think, I actually do. If I can't listen to them live when I'm not actually here, I do always go back and listen to it. I, I want to support, and like I said, Andrea did such a great job last week. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with Rachel. Um, I thought you had been here once before. I apologize. I, I guess you know you're so vi- vivacious and effervescent. You know it's hard for me to remember where we've interacted, but um, let's 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 get to know you a little bit. Can you tell okay. the folks? you know, where you're from a little bit about, you know, growing up school wise and, you know, your first introductions to ACB.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I haven't been here, but I I feel like it's on old home week because Byron and Katie Lear are longtime friends of mine. And I've known Terry for a long time. And, you know, it's it's fun to get to know everybody else as well. But um, anyway, um, my first introduction to ACB was when I was in school. Um, I'm originally from Florida. Uh, Still, my whole family is still there. So I get to Florida quite a bit. You can take the girl out of Florida, but you can't take the Florida out of the girl. Um, So uh, my first introduction to ACB was a teacher when I was in school. And um, I really kind of liked the advocacy efforts that were going on. And, you know, just the fact that, you know, when I got out of school, I could consider, you know, trying to be part of this big group, you know, that might make a difference in the lives of blind individuals. So, um, you know, it was just interesting to me. I didn't do a whole lot. Um, I had attended a couple meetings. Um, and I don't know if, uh, Zana Leslie is out there listening, but, um, or if they were involved even at this point, no, I don't think they were, but, Um, I think I had won an award from FCB, maybe Katie and maybe our archives committee can look because I can't remember for sure. Um, Back in 88 when I graduated Um, and I I had uh, gone to an FCB part of an FCB convention, then kind of took a break to go to college. Um, I went to the University of Central Florida, go Knights. Um, And um, I so I took a break for for college for a while and then I kind of got back into it. Um, when I was had a work uh, career established. And um, so I was part of FCB member of several different committees and um, did that until uh, I moved to Illinois for a job. Now, who's crazy enough to move away from Florida for a job? Uh, right, Not too many people, but I apparently am one of them. <laughs> and, um, you know, when a good job stares you in the face, you take it. So I took a job with um, Illinois Assistive Technology Program in Springfield, Illinois, where I am still working uh, 15 years later and um, got involved with ICB and um, backtracking a little bit. I had been involved in committees in FCB, but I had also been president and vice president of, at the time, what was called the Mid-Florida Chapter of the Florida Council of Wine now called Greater Orlando and um, we had a chapter of about 150 people which I was pretty proud of we had worked on some things um, you know a lot of some advocacy efforts um, and so anyway when I got to Illinois I jumped into ICB and had served on a number of committees and for some crazy reason um, I started after committees, I started at the top. Um, I ran for the presidency. Um, fortunately they had enough confidence in me to think that I could, uh, run ICB. And I did that for the last eight years. Um, only, uh, um, terming out this past April. Um, little did I know that COVID was going to be a factor and several other things were going to be a factor, um, that made my, my terms of, of presidency a little Challenging, um, but fun nonetheless. And um, so, after that, I decided, kind of, kind of by accident, when I realized, oh wait, I'm not president anymore. I have some time. I can jump in and uh, run for a board position in ACB. And here I am.
1: <laughs> so let's let's go back yeah. a little bit. Um, you know, it's not unheard of, but it is definitely remarkable because it hasn't been done a lot you know, you jump from committee work to literally becoming the state president. You know, what, what was that process like for you? What was the transition like, and what did you learn along the way that that prepared you for running for
3: the board? Wow. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was crazy. You know, I, at the time I thought, okay, I can do this. You know, it's a state presidency, but um our Orlando chapter of, of, was so so big that it was actually bigger than the state chapter in Illinois at the time. So I thought if, you know, if I can handle the local chapter with 150 members, I should be able to handle the state chapter. Um, You know, obviously there's some differences. You're working with people from around the state and, you know, it's a little bit different when Um, the whole organization is on your shoulders, but, um, I tried to surround myself with a lot of good people. Um, many people who had been in ICB much longer than me, many people who had been in, in ACB much longer than me. Um, you know, so I felt like I can be, I can only be as good as the people I surround myself with. And I, I looked for those people that I could always turn to if I had questions or concerns and and that's really what I appreciated the most is being able to work with some great people um that you know would would I could work well with um so yeah I mean it was there were some difficult times certainly but um I I learned a lot I think you know just going being flexible um, rolling, with <laughs> work
1: those core values in, girl.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and and finding opportunities where I could find them to, um, you know, work get things in a in a better situation. You know, either financially or, you know, get ICB out there. You know, I tried to find opportunities where I could, and um, you know, it, it was it was definitely definitely prepared me for working on the board. Um, the, the thing about working on the board is again, I've, I've got a lot of people I can work with. And, um, although I, I do certainly feel a sense of responsibility being in higher leadership in ACB, there's a, there's a little bit of, okay, I'm not the totally in charge you know so it, it might be a, <laughs> you're one of the, the
1: group not the not the I head mean, of the yeah
3: <laughs> I I yeah. yeah you know there's certainly when you're kind of the the buck stops here person you know there's a lot that you think about late at night and like okay if this doesn't go well they're gonna look to me you know I am I am the person that that is gonna have to answer to whatever and so even though I do feel some responsibility for that being on the board as well, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the challenge and really looking forward to working with a great group of people as well. So it, it'll be fun. So let me ask
1: you this, you know, and I think it definitely deserves to be a part of the conversation. You were president and the national organization had chosen Illinois. It was going to be in Schomburg. Unfortunately, we had to go virtual now your immediate past president will be going to Schomburg. Is there any, um, you know, crying over spilled milk, milk that, you know, during your presidency you weren't able to actually put on the in-person slash hybrid piece of of that, you know, and, and now, yes, you'll be immediate past president, but it, it's not your year, so to speak.
3: You know, I... I thought about that, you know, and yeah, I mean, I, there's part of me that would love to have been able to put it on, but there were so many things at that time that we were all dealing with. Obviously I knew that there was no way we could have a convention that year. Um, And um, I think our president this year is going to, (laughs) <laughs> um, I think he, ki- he kind of said he might allow me to share the spotlight a little bit. So not that I really look for it. I think um, I, I guess I was kind of surprised maybe people know me a little more than than I thought they did. Yeah, I broadcast. Um, and so people know me from there and people know me from some committee work and that kind of thing. But I tend to stick in the background a little bit. I'm not always as out there um so i don't necessarily require the spotlight but yeah i mean it would have been fun to to be able to say yeah this is this is my icb and we're hosting a convention but you know it was kind of interesting um you know we're kind of gearing up for host committee now and we can just kind of say okay that first those first several meetings that we met regarding the convention and had some stuff planned out okay that was dress rehearsal now we get to do the real thing so you know <laughs> maybe it's going to make it even better than it might have been then. Um, I know awesome. some things that we had done then that we're going to try to incorporate probably into uh, next year and really looking forward to that.
1: Well, speaking of current president and a huge supporter of Sunday Edition and, and just a huge supporter of all ACP initiatives in general, I know he's on the call. Um, I know he's been a, 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 a bit of a mentor for you. Any, any personal words to, to um, our second vice president, Mr. Wright?
3: Um, um, well, gosh, I don't know. (laughs) I've probably already said them all to him on the phone as, as we uh, talk several times, but, um, you know, he was president of ICB long before I ever got here. Um, so he, he has a, a longer history with ICB than I do. Um, I think we work well together because we come from some different perspectives, um, there were certainly some things having been a member of FCB that I thought worked really well. And I thought, you know, we should try to incorporate that because this, this I think would work well in Illinois. So um, he knows what he's doing um, and I'm always here uh, to help him out. And he knows that and, and I'm happy to do so.
1: Awesome. So I'm not going to ask too much about, you know, be con- um, your current status and, and what you're going to do on the board, because I know our members going to have. A lot of questions for you but I am going to ask each of you two questions and the first one is you know and thinking about before you announced your candidacy and you know in realizing there were open seats and you might be a good fit for it what was the thought process like for you and how did you make that final decision?
3: Um, My decision um, I've told a lot of people this kind of came quickly um, I was so used to to running with ICB, and I always felt like um, I was a J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow in 2019 in Rochester. Yep. Um, and I said at that time, <clears throat> I told uh, Kenneth Simeon Senior and several people that. Uh, I'm going to finish what I started with the state first and then once I'm done with that I will consider running for a uh, national position because I always felt like the state you know again we need to have that good foundation and if I if I was president of ICB I wanted to focus most of my attention there because everything's going to go up from the bottom up as we all know you know that's kind of how ICB works so um, that was always kind of my plan, but when, actually, when it came time to consider it, I was actually kind of otherwise um, preoccupied. Um, I lost my dad in April. I wasn't able to go to the ICB convention, which was really kind of crazy for me because here I was coordinating yeah. this convention and all hands on deck and I was involved in every aspect of it and just like that um i found it's myself from under
1: you. yeah i
3: found myself attending my dad's funeral the day of of the convention um in florida and everybody just took that and ran with it and it was just so wild to to be so on the inside track and then not know what was going on because i was in florida um A Big, big kudos to everybody in ICB that just took the ball and ran with it for me because I knew that ICB was in good hands. And I absolutely have to say also to Byron, who really, really, really stepped up to the plate for me. And um, uh, you know, you're took- you're
2: so welcome. I'm happy to do it. And <laughs> and and I was able to like you know text you and just kind of keep you abreast of what was going on. And you helped me do some testing late
3: at three late in the morning. Night,
2: at three in the morning, <laughs> Friday Friday morning, I was uh, like, I need someone to come into Zoom and make sure this all works. And Rachel was and there. I
3: wasn't sleeping anyway, and I saw your text. <laughs> okay, let's jump on Zoom. You yeah, know? but uh, that was the only thing I could do from Florida was help Byron with a few technical things here and there. So, um, it was a total transition. So all of that said, when I, once I finally came back to Springfield and got all my family things in order, it was kind of like, oh wait, I'm not president anymore. Oh wait, I could maybe join the board of ACV. So it really was a kind of a last minute thought that, oh wait, I can do this. And it just hadn't occurred to me because I was so preoccupied with my family situation. So yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. And then when I thought about it and realized I could do it, you know, I jumped right in, you know, sometimes you, I, I found that I got to jump right in and not think about it too much. You know, I know it's all going to work and I know I'm going to do okay, but if I think about it too much, then I'll be <laughs> concerned and, you know, might not jump in. So it was one of those like okay i can do this i know i can do it and so i just jumped right in with both feet and and i'm happy i did
1: awesome so my second question and and you know you're on the hot seat you're in the hot seat the other two get a little bit of time to think about their answers um you know and and by you not mentioning something it doesn't mean you don't care about it but You know, we have a lot of open initiatives, all of our different advocacy arms, ADP, the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, you know, special interest affiliates. What causes issues, advocacy programs? What is near and dear to your heart that you'll be looking out for for board participation?
3: Yes. (laughs) Um, Yes, to um, all of them. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Really, honestly, um, I'm looking for any opportunity where I can help. Um, I know that being a new member on the board, um, one of the things I want to do is is watch and listen and communicate and um, you know just figure out where I can best serve ACB. Certainly, there are things that that have been important to me all along, but. I'm, I'm always going to be on the lookout now for new opportunities where I can serve because I haven't been in that position in a while. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to some new challenges. Um, certainly, um, voting has been something that's been really important to us here in Illinois. We're kind of halfway there getting accessible vote by mail. Um, Um, I really think we're in an interesting time in ACB right now, you know, having just completed our uh, hybrid convention. um, You know, we are pulling so many pieces of the puzzle together Uh to make an incredible organization um, that it's kind of fun to be kind of on that inside track, being on the board to figure out how that's all going to work and how to best utilize all the the talents of our members and community and and so many different um, so many different kind of arms if you will of of what we have to work with now so I'm really looking forward to where we can go from here you know I, I the sky's the limit I think and and we just find ourselves in, a, ourselves in a really interesting time where so many people can participate more now than they could before, which I think is awesome. You know, there's people who have participated in, in asking questions and voting and that kind of thing this year who have maybe even been involved in ACB for a long time, but have never been to a convention and have never had their voice heard. So yeah. I just Just think think it's really cool.
1: We had members who were voting from Australia, Finland. I forget where Goodwin is from, but um, we had people in the Middle East. We had members that were voting from across the world.
3: I think that's really cool. I think that's that's amazing. So, so I really look forward to all of that and and the the inclusion and diversity and you know all these keywords that we've all been hearing for so long, but they're more than just keywords. They're ideas and 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 prompts values yes. that we yes. have that I think we can incorporate so much more into ICB uh, excuse me, ACB. Now <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd probably Get do that. Acronyms once. right now, girl. <laughs> when when I talk ICB, sometimes I even say. FCB so you know hey the right, whatever so last... CB <laughs> um, <laughs> that we can incorporate into all of that so I'm really just wow. looking forward to where I can best use my talents on the board
1: so my last direct question for you is a is a two-part have you uh, have you finished and and sent in your survey and what were some of the highlights of convention this year for you
3: Boy, I'm Besides, so glad I did that when the they said day.
1: You, were, you got it.
3: <laughs> I think I did it within an hour of after it came out. Um, awesome. I think. Um, I'm trying to think back, um, I think some of what I said here are some of the things that I brought out there. Um, I I said that I had to participate virtually this time, and and some things that that were were challenges and I knew they were challenges made it a little more difficult sometimes, but I mean, we had an awesome team there that really worked hard and made this convention as, as what's the word, you know, as as much for people to be able to participate as possible. And I really liked that. I, I, I had to work at the same time, so I tended to try to catch mostly general sessions, figuring that I could probably catch podcasts of some of the other ones that I wanted. But um, I just really liked, you know, liked how how everything was kind of fitting together. Um, it was great.
1: All right. Well, Rachel, again, thank you so much for being here on Sunday Edition. I can't believe this is your actual first time, but I have a feeling you're going to be, you know, somewhat of a regular. It usually ends up that if you're here once, you end up coming back for other things. You get so sucked
3: in. And- <laughs> you get sucked.
1: Like Al Pacino said, you know, in that third <laughs> Godfather movie, they just keep pulling me right back in.
3: <laughs> I'm happy to do it. You know, this is I, I look forward to talking with members and, and, you know, people in the community and, you know, getting not like there again, not like I look for the spotlight, but, you know, getting to know more people and getting, you know, having more people know me and kind of coming out of the, the background a little bit. So it'll be fun.
1: Uh-huh. All right, well, stick around because I am sure that our members have some really good questions for you and your counterparts. Um, one thing that I definitely loved, at least about the last two years of elections, is the diversity in, in our, you know, in our p- personages who stepped up to say, you know what, I think I can offer something to the organization. And so we're gonna go from Rachel to as I described her in my show notes. Um, I consider Terry one of the you know, unofficial historians of ACB. There are maybe three people that I think to go to for information when I'm researching stuff. And I bother her more often than I probably should. But I know when I call Terry, I'm going to get real information information concise information and and probably a heck of a lot more information than i actually need but none of those conversations have ever been boring so welcome back to sunday edition terry
5: (laughs) well thank you very much thank you ever so much uh yeah i sometimes do tend to go on about things um one thing will will remind me of something else that Somehow was on the peripheral of the original topic,
1: but uh, I cannot tell you how many times you and I are in a conversation about something, and my brain is going Sunday edition topic, Sunday edition topic. You, you know, open <laughs> up the file and, and just type something so that you remember this in three or four hours.
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so,
1: I think of our three and and I'm not disparaging the other two newly minted board members, but I think of the three, you probably have the most name recognition and, or, you know, recognition of all the different hats that you have worn for ACB over the years. So, um, you know, how did you find ACB and can you hit us with what you consider the highlights of your ACB journey up to this point?
5: Okay. Um, Well, it's funny you should mention that. The other day I did, uh, the three of us did a program with um, Clark. Oh, advocacy
1: update, yes. The advocacy
5: update with Clark and Swatha, And uh, Clark actually picked up on something that I said. I was just trying to be a little on the funny side, but the more I thought about it, the more true it was. Um, Love actually brought me to ACB originally. Uh, This is way back in the uh, Stone Age when I was first going out with Frank, my husband. Um, He one day asked me if I wanted to go to, we had been probably going out for, I don't know, a month or six weeks, something like that. Did I want to go to a meeting that was over at the Steinway uh, building in Boston? He said, I think you know a few of the people at it and it's a, a young group that's trying to get started and that's uh, gonna be an affiliate of ACB. And I thought it sounded like kind of a cheap date, but what the heck. Um, it's, it turned, <laughs> as it turned out, there were, there were several people who I knew uh, who were there, people like um, Kathy Devon, Um, Phyllis Mitchell, who was an incredible advocate for uh, people with disabilities in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, And the guy that was running it at the time, he was the president at the time, was a guy named Charlie Crawford, who I hadn't met. That's Um, a
1: name nobody knows anything about. No, no. nobody knows anything (laughs) of
5: that one. (laughs) Uh, And And several, a few other people. And I went and I thought it was, what was interesting about it is I don't think there were more than maybe two or three people who were over the age of 30. Uh, We were all either in school, just finishing, had just finished school starting careers, that kind of thing. But we were, but everyone seemed to be very into advocacy. Um, I ended up on the, uh, the representatives to the Architectural Barriers Board. Anybody remember those old terms? Um, and that kind of thing. And so it turned out to be a great night. As a matter of fact, I guess it worked out so well that day uh, that the 25th of this month, Frank and I will be celebrating our 49th wedding anniversary. So um, we've, thank you. And so we've, I just got involved at that point. I come from a long history of very strong women in my family, multiple generations uh, where the women have been, have always worked, have always raised families, that kind of thing from back to my great grandmother's day, at least, and probably before that, I'm not sure before that. And so I got involved. Uh, We were doing all kinds of things at that time, looking for equal employment opportunities, and of course, I'm talking way before I'm talking actually before the Rehab Act of 73 um, and certainly well before the ADA. And I ran into a couple of uh, very serious discrimination in employment situations myself and um, overcame them eventually by telling one of them what to do with her job and walked out. Um, but that's another whole story on advocacy. And uh, the next thing I was doing, I've never been one to want to be the president. I've always been the one who wants to be the vice president that makes sure that the microphone or the spotlight is there for the president. And I always like... It's a liked, upon it. And I've always liked being um, the person to gather people together. And so I started initially doing coordinating our state conventions. Um, at that time, we didn't know, at that time, we had been invited by ACB. We had uh, investigated NFB and ACB. Um, NFB was, well, yeah, yeah I suppose you, you can become part of the Boston chapter um, if you want to, but nobody in there was, I think they had like one person underage. 40 at the time and so we weren't really we we weren't welcomed let's put it that way Uh, but there were a few people in ACB who were very very welcoming came and came back several times um, did a lot of mentoring of a group of us um, people like Charlie Crawford Marlena Lieberg uh, myself Frank A few other people that are no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, And those three people were Mary Ballard at the time, Mary Ballard Stevens, who was the editor of the Braille Forum for at least 17 years. Um, Most of that time, I think, as a volunteer. Um, ICB, uh, people I know remember uh, the second woman that was involved with us, probably somewhat the most closely was M.J. Schmidt, uh, who was originally uh, was originally from New York, but then eventually went to Illinois and then back to New York and such. Um, and the third one who I had some of the most fun um, and interesting conversations with, I think through the years, was Derwood McDaniel. And, the three of them really did a lot to get us going. Um, and I was very proud of our first convention. We had 65 people at one of the other things that I thought was a really good thing, even back then, long before we were talking diversity and inclusion was we, there were about 25 of us in that first group. And at least six of that 25 were um, people of, of minority races, um other ethnic backgrounds um other sexual orientation um we it was six a good six to seven of 25 which i always thought was a you know pretty fair ratio number, yeah. but it was a pretty darn good ratio for 1972 let's put it that way um and so we continued that it was the blind leadership club of massachusetts And it was the original ACB affiliate. Um, It eventually, because so many of us were young and starting families and buying our first homes and all of that kind of thing, getting our careers up, it kind of waned a little bit. And eventually in, I want to say about the mid 80s, maybe, um, maybe a little before that, um, Otis Stevens, who was a past president of ACB, Uh, came to Boston. He was on a fellowship at Harvard that year. He and his wife and his two daughters. And we kind of reactivated everything at that point. And that was, it was before the mid 80s. It must have been the late 70s. And so we got, I got much more involved then. We, again, I was coordinating the conventions. Um, I remember our first BS, that was when we sat at the Bay State Council of the Blind. And our first convention for that, we had 112 people at. And so we just kind of grew from there. We, I did our conventions for, oh, I don't know, about probably about 10 years at that time. And um, we would travel around the state, having them in various locations. Um, we did a lot of other, we got into doing a lot of things that incorporated the families, you know that we had one group in yeah. particular where that we all had young kids. We were looking for ways of getting to amusement parks or uh, the Kennedy Museum or something like that. Um, and so we did a lot of that. There was another group that was very into advocacy, and they spent a lot of time on Beacon Hill, at the Capitol, uh, the state Capitol, that kind of thing. But and people were going to people were going to national conventions. We were not in a financial situation to do it. Until about 1979 was my first convention in Grand Rapids. Um, And then I think I've been to something like 26 conventions since then. Um, But you
1: eventually actually moved your family to, I I believe it was Maryland. I, I
5: did. I did. What happened was one of the, I was always very involved in my community in general. Um, in a, a public community um, through a number of, I, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts politics <laughs> originally is deep in my family I remember first time I did, well the only time I ever actually met JFK was at our local youth center when I was out campaigning for my mother for town meeting member um, I, wow. I, was, I was like nine at the time um, something like that uh, and you know, I was just always involved in the community. Um, My family had been that kind of thing. My father was on the police department. Um, They couldn't be on the town meeting. So all of their wives were instead, Uh, that kind of thing. So I learned backroom politics early, I guess. Um, And then in 1980, We decided that we were going to. We wanted to adopt a child, and I said, "You know, we had to. We went through the whole home study process and all of that, and we said we could deal with a child with a visual impairment, but probably not much more than that because of communication and transportation issues." Um, and at that time, there was the Massachusetts. Uh, adoption resource exchange and they handed you this thing that looked like a yellow pages that was just yeah. some stories of different kids. And I found this little kid in there who I fell in love with, uh, with this picture alone. And he had a lot of issues, a lot of issues. Um, he had been in a very difficult situation. Um, his father had been exposed to agent orange his, he had been on his seventh placement in, in and out of parents and yeah. foster care by the time he was four years old. He had a lot of behavioral issues. He had um, some, co- some cognitive and visual impairment that they had totally misdiagnosed. It's much more severe than they actually were. And so instead of having the usual nine months to get used to the idea of having a, an addition to the family, Within
1: had a couple of weeks.
5: <laughs> yeah, we had uh, five months. Five months for a seven-year-old. <laughs> wow! And uh, and to this day, he loves to come to convention with us. And he lives in a group home up in Massachusetts. And so I went through the whole uh, special ed debacle um, back through the through the eighties and into the mid nineties with him. And so I got a, I learned a lot then. I got a lot more involved with. Um, other families that did special needs adoptions, that kind of thing. So ACB kind of got pushed aside a little bit. Um, by that point, there were other people who had come in to the state and had kind of taken things over anyway. And it was like, good, they are taking care of that. I can take care of this issue, this other issue. Um, I we also had gotten into I had gotten into some other things in my community where we started an organization. That had over 3,000 members within the first year. Um, That was, but that's kind of where my Irish comes in, was all of that. And then in 1998, Charlie Crawford came down to Washington to become executive director of ACV. And he had been our state commissioner for about, I'm going to say roughly. 12, 14 years. years. And he called me one night and he said, what would you and Frank think of moving to Washington? I would love to have you come in as membership and affiliate services coordinator. And that was a very different job than it is today. Um, Essentially, I I worked with the uh, convention chair And the uh, uh, assistant chair, the chair and uh, assistant chair. And the first year I did it, I absolutely fell in love with it. I called upstairs to Frank that night. I said, Frank, want to move to Washington? He had just retired the year before from IRS. And um, I had worked for IRS for 10 years. He had worked for them for 30. And so I said, Charlie, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. And we did. We, We said, you know. If we're ever going to do it, this is the time to, the time. to make it. Wow! And I said, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. And within, he said, the only thing is I need you down here in the next two weeks. And so for three months, Frank lived in Boston and I lived in down with, I moved in with the Crawfords actually for the first couple of months until we found an apartment, uh, thanks to Scott Marshall and um, caught right on, got involved with at the Maryland Council Ran a couple of their conventions. Um, I somehow end up in conventions. I'm not sure how, but at that time, that job, my job at that time, included working with all 72 of their HTP affiliates. We didn't have Zoom in those days. I wanted so much to do some expansion with, uh, especially our rural um, affiliates, yeah. using things like free conference call you know, whatever yeah. we could to pull people together who couldn't get together on a regular basis. And, and we did, we had some success with that. Um, the conventions, that first convention, Leroy Saunders, who I have always respected in ACB. He's also, uh, he was a past president, probably one of the most unsung heroes of ACB. Um, he was just an amazing, he, he was an amazing guy. Um, he and I did the convention the first two years um, and then we had uh, Cynthia towers did it for a, for a couple of years and Carla Rushaville and uh, somewhere in between we had a change of administrations and uh, I don't know there was just there was just something constantly going on I was I was the staff liaison and worked with I think about eight or ten of our committees which sounds like Nothing these days. We have so many committees right now between steering committees and subcommittees and sub-subs and all of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think we had 14 committees altogether at that time, something in that area. And, uh, and we also did a lot of advocacy. We, we put together the legislative seminar and that each year and we, put to- and we worked very closely with the convention chair to put the convention together. And so I did that for seven years I was with ACB. And back then we did a lot of advocacy because we were all very into it to begin with. you know. And at that time we had Charlie, back in the beginning of that was, Charlie was executive director, I was membership and affiliate services. Penny Reader was um, editor of the Braille Forum. Melanie Brunson was governmental affairs and advocacy. Um, We got some funding to get. uh, We got Phil Strong. He was actually doing the advocacy. He was the one that worked on um, uh, uh, pedestrian safety.
1: Sorry, I couldn't get it. Uh,
5: Subway dots and things, yeah. Well, we, we were very strong on the subway dots because the woman who actually first introduced Frank and I and was also a friend of Charlie's from Boston. Was one of the two um, people that got, um, no. was, that got killed in the yeah. subways. Peggy Peggy Kingman McCarthy. Um, she and I had gone to UMass together. And um, then in six seven oh six, my father had been diagnosed with esophagean cancer, and I was running up to Boston every three weeks. Um, I, me and the, AM, and Amtrak got to be great friends. Um, and I just decided that, you know, I, I need a break from this. Things were just, it, it wasn't the ACB that it, it wasn't the same situation that it was six, seven years, seven ago years before. before.
1: Yeah.
5: So I took a break from it. I did get involved with ACB in Maryland. I was the treasurer. And I'm probably telling you way more than you need. Byron's going to need to do a lot of editing of this.
1: <laughs> no. Um, but you know what? Let me ask you this. After, sure. you know, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not aging you in any way, shape, or form, but after all these years, you still have such a passion. Where does it come from? You know, what? at this point, you know, I'm going to tweak the question that I asked uh, that I, uh, you know, I'm asking you all the same questions, but I'm tweaking it after all these years, where's the passion still coming from? And what, you know, when you came to thinking about running for the board this year, what, what, what inside you said, you know what, I'm just going to do it.
5: Um, Two things. First of all was Frank has always supported every crazy idea I've had. Um, And he was, and he backed me on it. And, we had run into some medical issues down here. Some some issues down here that primarily revolved around the medical field, where I was. We were really getting to the point of being really fed up with all of a sudden being suddenly assumed that we were totally incapable of doing anything ourselves. I had been in the hospital for at one point where they were not going to let me out unless I had someone who was going to be at home to, to cook for me, because obviously I couldn't cook. Um, just as an aside, I've had 2,200 vision virtually all of my life. Um, so, And Frank is totally blind, so we've kind of covered both of the, the entire game. The spectrum. Yeah. And we've both been extremely capable people um both in travel in house in everything around the house in in our professions um i had worked when we got scott i wanted to go back to work after the first year or two and i um ended up going into the randolph shepherd vending program because there just happened to be a position that was open that was kind of quote unquote mother's hours and uh stayed with that for a number of years and i gotten involved with that. And, but I think what really it's, I think it's that I've been so involved in so many different things within ACB. And then when I started realizing just how um, put out to pasture, our seniors were becoming. Um, and, and I've seen it happening within ACB and outside in the community. And yeah. that's, what, yes. that's, that's what got me to start Visibilities. Um, visibilities actually started from visually impaired senior abilities that we, you know, we have very different, we're coming from very different backgrounds and very different experiences when it's someone who's lost their vision at age 75 or something um, in the last two years, as opposed to somebody who's lived with a visual impairment in their entire life. There's a lot that we can both learn from each other, but there are a lot of differences as well, and our abilities were being totally dis- disregarded, and I, and that just really really irked me, and that's what got me to start doing visibilities. Which incidentally, as a little commercial here, because I was supposed to send it to you again, this Friday night, I will have at seven o'clock Eastern on visibilities, which is now absolutely meant for everyone, not just seniors. It's us seniors showing you the ropes in some ways. Um, I will have Janet Dickelman and Rick Morin to talk all about the survey. And for awesome. anyone that has got any questions and anybody that wants any assistance, to please come on and we'll be glad to talk about everything to do with the survey and what's going to happen with the uh, statistics that are coming out of it and all that kind of thing. Is all going to be this Friday night. Um, But that's kind of where, what got me into it. And I guess I always have been emotionally, easily, my emotions, my emotions have never been buried very deep, I guess. And so my, um, my concerns for others, I grew up in a family, you know, they say the old, the old Irish, Thing. There's always room, you know. There's always, and it, you can always throw an extra potato in the in the pan if there's In seminar. the pot,
1: because you're never going who's going to show up at the door? Yeah,
5: exactly. And that kind of thing. That I've just always been a very open person, to, um, You know, somebody needs to needs help. Or somebody wants to become a part of a fun thing, whatever. There's always room for one more. There's always room for plenty more. And so let me
1: ask you I think two we more need questions.
5: More of that, and I think we need, to, we need to focus on that a little bit more in ACB these
1: days than we used to. I, I absolutely agree. Let me ask you two more questions before we transition to Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm tweaking them. They're, it's the same question, but it's in a different format. So, you know, with all the experience, you know, you've been a part of ACB since its toddler stage, let's call it. Um, with all the experience that, you know, you bring to the table and all of the fresh energy that, you know, the pandemic, the pandemic was a horrific thing for most of the world. It happened to have a huge silver lining for the American council of the blind due to some hard work from a bunch of key figures. You know, the community came together. It became what it, what it became. What are you looking to bring from the past bring the tenants the things that have stuck for 61 years are we going into we're going into year 62 aren't we um, but you know the tenants the things that have made that have stayed mainstay of acb and the new energy where where do you stand in the marriage of all that
5: interesting it's a good question i think one of the things that i want i would very much like to work on And that I think is a tenant was an absolute tenant of ACB is that we need to strengthen and we need to grow and strengthen our affiliates, both our state and our special interest affiliates. They have fallen off in more recent in, well, they've been falling off for a long time, but they've drastically fallen off. I think in the last uh, several years, there's never been, there has not been anyone working affiliate services since I left in 2007 um, or 2006, whatever year it was. Uh, we've never, we, they, that position was never replaced. So we've never really, and that's one of the things that I think community has the most tremendous potential to do is to, is to maximize, strengthen people's yeah. interest, to maximize and strengthen people's interest in our affiliates. Um, I don't think that we should be pushing membership at large. The membership at large was put in because was originally put into the organization, primarily because we didn't have affiliates in all of the states. And at that time we didn't have special interest affiliates. I think, you know, people tend to oftentimes think, oh, well, but that group's only gonna be advocating and, and pushing hard on this or pushing hard on that subject whatever it happens to be, whatever they happen to be into. And that's not the case. An affiliate is what is what each and every person brings to it, whether it's a state or a special interest. And that's an area that I think we definitely need more work in. I think we need a lot more work in um, advocacy. You know, I was saying that to uh, Clark the other day, Um, back in the back in the day, we had four people working advocacy and governmental affairs. We now have two. Um, We've we've increased our staff in in some areas, but that's not one that we have and that I think is unfortunate. And I I think it's really unacceptable. (laughs) It goes beyond unfortunate. Um, Did I answer it? I think I answered your question.
1: You do, and and my last question to you, like Rachel, is a two-pronged question. Um, going forward, I, I, I've heard a lot of different phrases about ACB and its volunteers, and you know, even down to the most nitty-gritty of the all, ACB eats it, eats its young. So, as, <laughs> as you come to the board, how do you want to incorporate the history of ACB in, you know, and make sure that every single person that's part of ACB? kind of gets at least a a, a, a sampling of the history of ECB, but energize the new energy to bring the organization forward. And then the second prong of that is just give us your convention highlights. I know you also attended virtually.
5: Bringing the organization back together, bringing the organization together, I think needs to be done by bringing, you know, I've been um, doing, having some great conversations with, people from NextGen, um, and a lot of our young people. Our young people need to, they need to learn ACB um, because in ways that don't reinvent the wheel. But at the same time, I'm not saying, well, this is the way we did it, and so this is the way it should stay. That's absolutely counterproductive. Um, Here's but, how
1: we've done it. This is how we might be able to tweak it based upon new ideas.
5: Based on new ideas, exactly. Yeah. And and that's it. And you know, if I would not, I would not be here today had it not been for a lot of of for those older people that got us going back in the 1970s. Um, the people like Derwood and MJ and Mary and Otis and Leroy and uh, all of those people who. Who who we got inspiration from, and I'd like to think that a lot of our young people today could get some inspiration from from them as well. We didn't always see it as inspiration. I don't think sometimes it was like that's just so old fashioned, you know, or that kind of thing. But when we sit back and we look at the organization over the long haul, and that in that long haul
1: includes the future and. Yes. Say that again. That long haul includes includes the future. Yes.
5: Yes. ACB is not the organization of today. It's the organization of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's what we need to, we need to work on that. We need to get people much more involved within the workings of ACB and learning from the, you know, like from the bottom up, we are a bottom up organization, and we need to stay a bottom up organization.
1: And highlights of this year's convention?
5: Highlights of this year's convention. Um, I
1: enjoyed. <laughs>
5: uh, hmm, that is a tough one. I think the 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 I think the friends and art uh, showcase was phenomenal this year, and as, so much of that again. So much of that is because so many people from NextGen and FIA got together and just did an amazing job together. Again, it's where our affiliates can work together and produce something phenomenal. And I think they did that with, I think that shines through in this year's showcase. Um, I think a lot of, uh, another high point, I think we had some very good speakers um, unfortunately, I don't think we highlighted them the way they should have been. Um, mm-hmm. personally, I, because I worked with her at ACB, um, I thoroughly enjoyed Dayal Mohammed's presentation, yes. general session. I think it would, I think it was a shame that we didn't have NIB and, uh, not NIB, NIH, the woman from NIH on the, uh, 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 COVID vaccines, that and Kelly Buckman from Department of Transportation. Those are so much more major, major importance to so many more of our members than um, that. that I, I think those should have been on the general sessions. I think we had a lot of good programming. We had some good, some very, very good programming those first three days. Um, I think we can. It went very long, the convention. Um, I think some rescheduling, um, readjusting of the general sessions needs uh, could, could greatly increase people's interest in a lot of areas. Um, and Did you know, oh, God. I'm trying to, I was, and I, you know, I, I think we had some, you know, we brought someone in from the FCC. Um, I've worked for the FCC myself for the last eight years. Uh, It's part of my very diverse career background. (laughs) I've worked in everything from IRS to welfare department to the FCC, Um, especially in technology in the last 10, about 10 or 15 years. And um, I think, but I think we, we have, we, we had a lot of really good programming. Um, that I think from your perspective I think Schoenberg has an incredible I think yes. I, I think that Schoenberg I, you know when you were asking um, Rachel about you know it, it not being the same as it would have been two years ago uh, uh, there last year whatever, whichever year it was it we was supposed to be in Schonberg. um I think that, that Illinois has the opportunity right now to put together the most incredible convention that we have ever had. I and agree I, with you. And I, I would love to help any way I can with that. If anyone sees any anything that that I could do that would help with it, um, I would love to. It's I just think that that's that has the potential of being the biggest hybrid and the most successful hybrid convention that we could have. So bonus Ooh, question we'll for it. you.
1: <laughs>
5: yeah, <laughs> Thank <absolutely>. you, Terry.
1: <laughs> bonus question for you, because you come with such a, an experience, a wealth of experience from ACB, from across the board. You know, one of the things that I think highlighted, was highlighted well this year at the, at the convention, was the fact that a group of folks, and, and I make no bones, I was one of those, one of those folks, so I'm, I'm very proud of it, Um, a group of folks made the mental health initiative actually happen. Were you able to sample the mental health programming at convention? And if so, what, what is your expectation of what the committee will do going forward?
5: I actually have did not get a chance to do um, any of the presentations at that, but I have had more than a couple of conversations with the wonderful woman that i've known for years as well uh
1: who, who is, knows and bowing virtually to miss pamshaw absolutely you bet your life
5: i am
6: <laughs> we've had yeah.
5: several conversations on the topic let's put it that way um and I, I i i am excited to see it to see it uh come to fruition i think it's it's I'm glad that Pam is the one that's running, that's heading that up and that you're involved in so many people because I think it's got, um, it's got incredible potential, but it's got some really- Hard work, yeah. Yeah, it's got a lot of hard work ahead of it. And, but, right, and, and, I, think, and I think people like you and Pam and a few other people that are involved in it, if, it, uh, if anyone can put it together and ha- successfully, it'll be your, the, the
1: group of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, Terry, stick around. We're going to open it up to questioning in a few minutes. I am going to bring, um, well, I don't know how to categorize this. I, You know, I'm just going to say it. My favorite new board member, I love you both, Rachel and Terry, but my favorite new board member, Mr. Gabriel lopez Kafati up to the mic. <laughs> Welcome back to,
4: to Sunday edition, Gabriel. Well, I... Guess you have to say that if you want to have dinner tonight.
6: <laughs>
4: dinner and dessert, yes.
1: Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a different tactic with you, as I stated in the show notes for today's for today's show. You are the first openly gay, also the first naturalized citizen to ascend to a director's position on the board of directors from those two perspectives. Is there anything you want to offer our membership from, you know, like I said, from those two perspectives as to what brought you to the decision to run and what you want to see happen going forward as you, know, you ascend into this seat now?
4: You know, I always see ACB as a family um I, I I know that we have different kinds of family. We have blood family, we have friendship family, and uh, we have cost family and I think ACB is a cost family that can you know many times transition into love family into <laughs> friend family into everything family. so having said that, um, I tend to compare ACB a lot with my own blood family because I feel that, and I always say um, that uh, diversity is not checking a box and diversity, uh, equity and inclusion is not just meeting a set of numbers uh, to look good. Uh, Diversity is actually welcoming and embracing the life experiences of people who are different of people who have had a different path. And, and and the final path is to meet here where we are. So we all got here. um, But in that regard, I I see it as my own family because my blood family got to know me throughout, you know, my, uh, early years childhood growing up losing eyesight and they learned to love me um and uh and they all felt uh very fondly of me I was some sort of like I grew up with my grandparents and you know my mom is the youngest out of age so she was you know out of Arab tradition she was forced kind of morally forced to stay uh and take care of my elderly grandparents after she married my dad so I was born in the house with my grandparents so I was like the entire family's like pet child (laughs) so when I came out as being gay um, my family it was a shock for many it was uh, not so much a shock for some others but at the end of the day uh, the conclusion was that this is the same Gabriel that they have grown to love and know since he was born it's it's so so being gay is just part of who he is and it's part of his sexual orientation it's not entirely who he is so i feel that uh, acb has embraced me in the same way um to answer the first part of your question being openly gay uh in, in the sense that acb um has learned to know me for who I am and for what I have done for the organization and for the love and passion that I have for ACB and, uh, and, you know, the efforts and, uh, the work that I gladly, uh, and continuously do for the organization. And, you know, it, it got to a point where, you know, yeah, he's gay. So, okay. You know, he's done this, he's done that. He's done. So being, uh, Sexual orientation being a, an afterthought, that's what I call diversity because it's, it's not who, it's not, it, it, you know, I'm not coming to, of course, if anyone in the board needs uh, fashion or decor tips or wine and food, of course, you know, the, <laughs> and that's a stereotype and I don't like stereotypes, but you know, the gay and me will probably give you those tips, but I'm not on the board for that am on the board because of the work that I've done, and much of the work that I've done is because I am in a particular situation being uh, on two minorities, being you know, disabled and being part of the LGBTQ community.
1: So let me ask you this. You've told your story in a lot of various places. People can go to an episode of In the Quiet with Debbie Hazelton. They can go, in, go to various episodes of the Advocacy Update, as well as Sunday edition. I believe that you've told versions of your story on Terry's disabilities and Paul. Yes. Shout out to Paul Edwards, Tuesday Topics. But I think yes. something that you've never touched on that I'm going to ask you about, your family, oh, Lord, especially Lord. your parents, but your family... When you made that decision to come to the United States full time and go from being a resident to I want my citizenship and I want to be an American citizen and I want to advocate as an American citizen. Can you just tell us a few things about how your family took that and and what it meant in your journey personally to leave your home country, which was Americanized for your experience? And come here yeah. full-time and say, I'm going to be a part of the United States and tie that into the American Council of the Blind.
4: Wow. <laughs> uh, I so... don't
1: ask easy questions, my, my, my love.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, my... my um uh first of all you know i my condition my eye condition is retinitis pigmentosa for those of you out there familiar with rp it's 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 a very cruel <laughs> condition because it steals your your eyesight gradually it could be two years it could be two decades it, whatever it's there's no talent. and it
1: fools you it gives you plateaus thinking it pulls you it. yes yeah, yeah this is
4: it yeah, yeah. I'm, oh my god so many times i thought okay this is it i'm plateauing here it's been two years. My vision hasn't changed. I'm staying here. Thank God. No. Boom. Next year, <laughs> you see less. Anyway, um, my my family was always huge on denial, 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 denial. No, 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 no. We are good people. Uh, we haven't done any harm to anyone. This punishment cannot come upon us. Uh, our little Gabriel cannot go blind. He is. Maybe never we can pray suspicion. the gay away, but we're not going to pray the blind, blind. away. <laughs> <laughs> well, they try to pray both away. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, ex- and exactly. You know, a miracle is going to happen and we know it for sure. And I bought into it because obviously it was it was it was easier. It was more convenient. It was it was a happier ending for me to say, oh, no, I'm never going to lose my eyes. Yes, I'm a little bit challenged and I may have to give up driving after 6 p.m. Uh, but that's okay. I can live with that losing my eyesight. No, 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 no. My family is right. I am never going to lose my eyesight. Well, guess what? <laughs> I, as soon as my eyesight started going downhill, I was like, wait a minute. This was not what I was told. Um, so I felt that Honduras was not equipped to handle my needs as a blind individual. And uh, I got involved with uh, one of the largest institute uh, for the blind over there I became part of their board of directors and I worked a lot and that gave me a huge sense of of uh purpose in life but it and a community you know, I was, to latch onto. I, I never latched onto that community because uh, because in Honduras I was forbidden to say that I was blind you know, I had, um, you know, I did not have RP. I had severe myopia, according to the rest of the world in Honduras. And, oh, you know, I, I, and and they wanted, basically, uh, Honduran society wanted to paint me as, oh, my God, this benevolent guy who has a severe myopia is working for the poor blind people. And I, I, it it made it even worse for me because I'm like, no, I'm one of them why do people want to paint me in this picture where i am like working like i'm i'm doing charity i'm not doing charity i'm doing this for myself and, elevating and, my people and and to and to work for my people for those who are just experiencing what i've experienced and and for those who are actually ahead of me because they have been blind all their life so um transitioning over to the united states i felt that i had the opportunity i felt that, that i had the, um, the, uh, the, the just the space to do it. So when I made the decision, uh, my family thought that it was an impulse, that it would go away, that how could I um, desert my family and leave uh, Honduras. But I, you know, I I then went into a road that I've told many people that I don't know if it's more difficult to be able to cope yourself with um, in this case losing your sight or helping your family cope with it so first of all I need a distance I need a distance because I said no 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 I need to cope myself with this uh, before I help them cope with it Uh, because if not it's not going to be effective I need to realize that I am blind that I'm going blind that I'll going to end up blind and then i need to help them understand that so the only place that i figured that could happen was with the united states uh you know i i realized that there were so many things that there were so many things that i felt were impossible for me to do like use a computer if i lost my eyesight um or walk independently and then i discovered you know jaws and screen readers and uh the white cane, which I didn't particularly love at the very beginning. Um, but, but then, then guys, got Yeah.
6: <laughs> yes. uh,
4: and, and I started discovering that, you know what? Hey, <laughs> there is life after losing eyesight. Uh, however, once I learned all the techniques, it, it was not they were not transferable. <laughs> um, they were not uh, transferable. Uh,
1: John Doreen Society.
4: Yes. Exactly. Uh, because obviously over there, um, it will be like, oh no, 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 put that cane away. Because obviously it was not about me, it was about them. No, the God optics. forbid yeah. they see, yeah, they see uh Gabriel and then you know the gossip. And oh my god, what happened to him? Is he going blind? Oh my god, what did their parents do? Why is he blind? So I said, No, I, I don't I don't have the energy. I'm, I'm gonna work with my parents and help them come out of denial. But uh it's not my responsibility to work for the entire family and the entire Honduran community to realize that I am blind.
1: So I'm gonna jump you forward, Gabriel. You're famous for, for letting people know that one day you pulled up Google and you typed in blind gay people or something, yeah. a combination of that, and you blind found B- you found BPI, which was your first introduction to the American Council of the Blind at Large. When yeah. you joined BPI, it was more of a social gathering rather than an advocacy organization. You ascended the ranks. You were a treasurer. You were a secretary. You worked through you know various positions within BPI. And then you ascended into the presidency at a time when BPI could have disappeared. What's it could have enfolded. And, you know, four plus years later, BPI is one of the strongest affiliates of ACB. It's definitely out there. It's visible. It's bringing vital conversations to the ACB community and our LGBT LGBT community at large. So, you know, talk us through your ACB journey, your BPI journey, And then use that to springboard to this year the nomination call calls for nomination go out, and you stepped up and said, It's time for me to take the life experience, the diversity. And what a couple of ACB leaders, I'm not gonna name anyone by name, but there's been quite a few who have said, you bring a balance. a a peacemaker, a let's move forward without the gossip and the drama around it approach to leadership. Talk to us about your ACB BPI leadership and how that made you want to run for the board this year.
4: Wow, that that, that involves a lot of years, (laughs) probably not as many as Terry's. <laughs> I love no baby, that. but be as succinct as you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I um as Anthony said, I did the gay blind uh, what's the word, uh Google search. Um in two thousand and eight, became a member of back then B Flag, now BPI. I was a quiet member. Uh, Then I joined in 2010, I joined the Miami Beach Council of the Blind. In 2011, I became their uh, board representative with the Florida Council of the Blind. I was totally intimidated. I was uh, scared. And, uh, you know, they were doing roll call. I remember I always tell Sheila this story. Um, There was a roll call uh, the first time I was doing board rep work for uh, Miami Beach Council with the Florida Council of the Blind and I heard all the last names you know and it was Edwards, Young, Weisman, Crott, <laughs> Hall and then Lopez and I was like oh my god where am I <laughs> but anyway uh, that gave me strength because I met a lot of amazing people. Um, I also uh, within BPI I also um, grew stronger as part of its um, leadership when I went to my first convention in 2012 in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, became treasurer, and I think that's when I solidified, and I said, okay, these are my people, (laughs) because if there's a place where I can be myself not only blind, but also LGBTQ, uh, and I do not have to leave any part of me at the door, and these are my people. So that's when I embraced fully ACB, and I started working for the different um, advocacy branches of ACB and for different also efforts of the American Council of the Blind. Um, as years progressed, I, you know, it's, it's, I had a lot of things afforded to me uh, that that I'm so grateful for, like uh, you know, winning a uh, one of the scholarships for the Florida Council of the Blind, the Theresa Blasting back in 2013, when I was doing my MBA at Barry University, um, going to the DC leadership meetings just literally two weeks after becoming a U.S. citizen, uh, and being able to yeah. walk Capitol Hill and saying these you know these folks now i can say these folks are my employees i i pay for their salary with my taxes i'm a citizen open the door <laughs> you know it, <laughs> yeah. was, it was a huge it was a huge huge experience and then um it's it's acb is such a fascinating word world that just opens up and 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 shows different avenues to you and then you Uh, And you alone decide to hold on to one of those avenues or multiple of those avenues and then work them and make them your own. Um, And I think that's where that's where uh, ACB stole my heart was when I saw that there were so many uh, opportunities, that there were so many chances for me to be able to work on the things that I believe in and uh, to be able to make the difference in so many areas and uh you know moving like you said Anthony I became president of VPI, and definitely surrounded myself like Rachel said I couldn't love those words more you know I'm only as good as the people who surround me and you know I had people who became part of the board of directors back in 2019 in Rochester uh, yourself included Anthony, Leah Gardner, Maria did um, and and so many valuable people that helped us. So bring. Let me BPI- let me stop
1: you there. Mm-hmm. Your you like Rachel are transitioning out of of your term for president of BPI. So it absolutely was the perfect time to come to the ACB board. But that wasn't the only factor in your decision for running for the board. Can you tell us? you know, those thoughts that you had before you submitted your candidacy and what you really are, you know, and again, like I said to Rachel, there's 150 issues that we work on on a daily basis. You can't mention them all, but, you know, now that you're, you know, you're ascending to this next phase, what was the thought process when you finally hit that send button and said, I'm going to run? And what are you looking forward to
4: working on the most? Okay. Okay. So I I don't know what it is about Sunday Edition. There's some sort of magic around this program that makes people uh, and Byron can attest to this. People just come out with things that they've been keeping in their hearts and in their minds, and they haven't shared with anyone. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Um, back in, and this was this was a huge inspiration for me back in 2016 when we had our convention in minneapolis um, there was someone who probably uh, i'm just gonna say it there was someone uh from acb students who ran for the board um she's now part of the association of blind teachers her name is Tabitha brecky and Mm. uh, she ran for the board and unfortunately i don't remember who she ran against but uh, she didn't get into the board but I was sitting there a general session um, and I was like, my God, how brave she is to run for the board at such a young age and not being so, you know, n- not being a part of the, I don't know what to call the it, not being to lead, the leadership, and, and, you know, and, and to be able to run for for that position. And even if she lost, you know, Um then when I got into politics, uh, one of my mentors here in, uh, um, not to try to get into real politic uh, conversation, but you know, I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, I'm part of the Democratic Party. One of my mentors here at the Democratic Party in Florida was insisting that I ra- that I ran for a, a council position at uh, the town of Miami Lakes. And I said, I have no chance. And And he told me something very interesting. He told me, you know, Gabriel, it's not about winning or losing. It's about giving our our constituents an option, whether you win or you yeah. lose, you gave them an option and that's already winning. So I said to myself, I have so many things and I have so many different experiences and I know that I can bring so much to the board, not because of myself, because I think too much of myself, but because of the experiences that life and God have put me through so I could put those experiences to the service of the American Council of the Blind membership through the board and also I said to myself just like I said with my family uh, at the beginning of your questions Anthony um, you know I wanted to see I wanted to see if uh, uh, you know I know ACB uh, today um, many people in ACB may not realize that ACB will go down in history as, and I've said this multiple times, as the organization, the first blindness and disability organization who opened a space for an affiliate for yeah, those of us who it's are it's not just blindness, kids. it's disability
1: in general. B flag, yes. flag, yeah is the first accredited and, affiliate of any disability
4: organization
1: to recognize right. the LGBT so,
4: so I said pass pass beyond that. I wanna see uh, and I wanna, I wanna make sure that we really, really, really um, put our money where our mouth is. So I wanna see that, uh, I wanna be the first uh, openly gay elected official to the American Council of the Blind Board. And I want to see that just like I saw it with my family where people were able to see me for the work i've done for the passion that i have for this organization and its mission and vision and for the things i can bring to the board not because of, of me being gay or an immigrant but because of the life experiences that i've had because of being gay and an immigrant and also blind so i i i i just found like you said earlier i just found so much support and so much encouragement and uh, People told me because that's what I'm used to doing all my life. It's just harmony. I love peacemaking, and I love uh, to make sure that we all realize that we may not agree on everything. And again, I'm going to quote Sheila, where she says, "If everyone's in agreement, someone's lying." <laughs> but at the end of the day, if we are committed, I I see getting to the board as as as, a, as like a as like some sort of Um, obstacle course like the last thing the last obstacle that you have to you have to filter or you have to pass is you know making sure that you believe that we are all in the big picture working towards the same goal and we may have different ideas of how to get there but as long as we're all pulling in the same direction you're good to go boom welcome to the board (laughs) So I have two
1: more questions for you and Katie get ready because I'm going to start opening up for hands and for everybody who's listening, we will stay on after we leave the stream to answer, you know, any hands that are up at the time that we leave the stream, we will answer those questions. So I have two more for you, Gabriel, personally. And you know, I, this is a, this is one of those questions that's it's tricky. You know, sometimes you want to ask it. Sometimes you say it's asking it is a little too much, but being a naturalized citizen, being an LGBTQ person, that the organization recognized you as Gabriel for who you are, all the strengths, all the loveliness, because ultimately, I think everybody that knows you will say you're a lovely person. You want to find the common ground and build on that rather than point out the differences. But having said oh, that, you really want you still dinner. are the yeah, I want dinner and dessert. Um, you know, you are the first openly LGBTQ gay person. You are the first naturalized citizen. What do you want to say to the organization um, about having had the faith to put you in this position?
4: Wow, <laughs> I think um, I think that uh, people. I, one of the things that I'm gonna that I'm going to tell people is that I believe in democracy, and I believe in, uh, I have a great passion for politics, and I have a huge passion for uh, elected positions, so I want to say that I um, go by one of the old (laughs) Greek philosophers' um, sayings or reflections, which is, don't go into a nation that opens the doors for you and try to govern. Um, I'm here to serve. And uh, I came into a nation that opened its arms for me. And then subsequently I went into an organization as this ACB, a family now for me that opened its arms and its heart for me. So I am not here to govern and I am not here to push any agenda forward. I'm here to serve and to make sure that whatever you said, Anthony, my loveliness for my wanting to be a peacemaker and my wanting to make sure that everyone feels welcome and everyone feels that they are benefiting from their participation in the American Council of the Blind, that they're getting something. That they are connected, that they have something in in you know intrinsically just binding between them and ACB. I want to make sure that I uphold the space for those people to feel that they are a part of ACB as much as ACB can become a part of them if they open their mind, their minds and their hearts. Wow. Well, I'm going to take a point
1: of personal privilege here. It's my show, so I get to do certain things. Um, When I uh, stepped up to take the position of secretary of BPI, I had no idea of the workings of ACB, FCB, BPI, anything. I knew that I could make really good meeting notes and hopefully present some really good ideas but when you took the mantle of presidency of BPI, you may or may not have been ready for it. That's that's for you to determine, but you were taking the mantle of an affiliate that was about a step and a half away from being annihilated, of not being in existence anymore. And, you know, four and a half years later, it is a thriving, it is a a well-respected, it is an, an affiliate that is offering so much to the American Council of the Blind. So in the leadership role as president of BPI, what have you learned? What are you bringing to the board of ACB based upon what you've learned? And then Katie, get ready because we're going to open it up to our member <laughs> questions. <laughs>
4: well, I i, I think uh, that um, one of the first things that, uh, you know, to, to drive that uh, comparison between BPI and ACB I felt that I was ready to become president of BPI. I felt that it was not only my right, but my responsibility to come in because I had been noticing some sort of divide. And I think Terry touched on it uh, superficially a moment ago about, you know, the, 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 uh, mm, I don't know how to say it, but the, but the kind of animosity between affiliates and parents. And I, I said to myself, this must be a mistake. This has to be a mistake. Um, the, the, the parent is not creating affiliates just for the sake of it. The parent really wants to support us. I think we need to strengthen our channels of communication. I think we need to stop creating things where they aren't. Um, I think we need to stop, um, you know, I, I think we need to stop just creating a divide. And I think we need to erase that line and actually become a part. And yes, our parent affiliate, our parent organization has many responsibilities when it comes to affiliates, but affiliates also have the responsibility. We have to meet halfway. So that's what right. I, that, that's how I went into the presidency of BPI. And I said to myself, I am going to lift this organization because this organization saved my life. And I can only imagine how many more lives it can save and it has saved. Um, so we started finding common, common grounds between ACB and BPI. And we started talking about topics that had been difficult, but then uh, BPI was looked at as an expert in you know certain topics like inclusive language, pronoun usage. Um, diversity, sexual orientation be- versus sexual identity, et cetera. So, after that, it's just a matter of being open and being very, very transparent, and people will just start coming to us. Obviously, there's the other, you know, um, I think Clark said it a moment uh, a few days ago when uh, the three of us did an interview for the advocacy update. Um, and, and, and you know, in uh, BPI, I made sure that BPI's vision and mission not only were upheld, but also that BPI was looked upon as the organization that can bring learning and uh, networking, while and having understanding, fun. yeah, yeah, understanding and openness, but while having fun. Fun being a, a key element, you know, where we've done wine tastings and we've done uh, so many fun activities where we learn. But at the same time, we have fun. So basically, and the other thing that uh, I felt the need to do, uh, because we found so, so much support from our allies, uh, I felt the need of uh, strengthening our, ally, our, our relationship with relationship allies. So uh, those were the two roads that I felt BPI needed to follow. And those were strengthening the relationship with our parent organizations and strengthening their relationship with our allies. And also going back to the mission and vision of BPI, which is primarily an advocacy organization, and uh, it's a balancing act, it's juggling because it is a, a matter of uh, teaching, uh, you know, and I'm, uh, giving, providing education, but at the same time making it fun, making it not intimidating because many people yeah. are not familiar with uh, the language or with the traditions of the LGBTQ community. So we don't have to be offended. We have to be open-minded and open-hearted to unfold people and to welcome people.
1: So my last question to you before we open it up to our member questions is a two-prong as it's been for everybody else. Um, You know, having finally had that seat at the table, having accomplished the mission that you set out when you became president of BPI, and now you're stepping up to the ACB Board of Directors, what from your BPI experience, what from the things that are not necessarily 100% blindness related, but are still part of our community advocacy, what is your message to, to those out there that say, this may not be blindness related, that may not be blindness related, and of course, like I asked everybody else, what were your highlights of convention this year?
4: Well, you know, I think that as as long as it is a matter affecting one of our members, it is an ACB uh topic. Um and and I've always uh been a, a, a big proponent of intersectionality because we are not just blind or visually impaired. We're blind or visually impaired uh LGBT people. We are blind and visually impaired teachers or blind and visually impaired um, artists. Uh, You know, the list goes on and on and on. And and that's why I want to echo Terry's uh, sentiment in terms of uh, strengthening and making sure that our special interest affiliates get the place at the table that they deserve, which I think ACB is doing a great, great job, especially in the last couple of years. Um, not just because I have been uh, a part of the special interest affiliate circle as part of, you know, one of the leaders of this effort. But uh, I think that that speaks volumes of how much ACB leadership thinks of our special interest affiliates. And um, that's one of the areas that I want to strengthen. I want to get rid of the notion that um, it is uh, parent versus affiliate and I want to introduce the notion that it is parent with affiliates and or parent because of affiliates. Um, nice. The affiliates bring so much to the organization not only diversity because through the special interest affiliates and the state affiliates we bring geographic and, uh, and the, uh, just this uh, diversity in general so I want to strengthen the intersectionality My uh, thought process, like I said, I've always it's been a dream of me to say, you know, I've been it's been steps and I'm going to be as succinct as possible. But it's been steps. You know, I one day dream of being it was one of my dreams to be uh, a U.S. citizen. Then when I was I got word that I was becoming a U.S. citizen after I passed my exam and I was going to my oath ceremony. I had prayed so much that I could get the JP Morgan scholarship to go to leadership. But in my mind, I was, you know, in my prayers, I was saying, I do not want to go to leadership without being having fully, my citizenship fully, in place. Yeah, yeah, before being fully, having the full rights to be there. Um, and, you know, and, and then eventually I got to the point where I said, I want to be part of the ACB board because I want to do something for the organization that has been with me through every step of the process since I got to the United States. So that was my thought process, and I finally decided to do it. I'm terming out from BPI, um, so I felt that it was responsible of me that I could commit this year. And, uh, you know, I felt the passion, and I felt that the organization can benefit so much from from some of the things that I can bring to the board, and uh, as, again, I'm here to serve, not to govern. And uh, to answer the second part of your question, uh, highlights from convention, obviously, highlight number one is being elected to the board. <laughs> Thank you, ACB. <laughs> <laughs> um, just having worked so so ardently, uh, you have, you know, people may have may have no clue of how many. Phone conversations uh, happened between Dana Dickelman, Dan Schoon, Jeff, Tom, and myself talking about what to do and going back to the drawing board for about five or six months and finally pulling together a hybrid convention. And a lot of people I know, we all have opinions. Oh, how long was it? Or how this was it? Or how that was it? But people, it is the first time. To me, being there at the hotel, at the Hilton in Omaha, and being able to hug people that I probably never met, that I only met through, you know, virtually through community, or that I hadn't seen in years, and it, it was it was to me that was worth it. And the last thing I'm going to say about convention, the thing that I loved um, was where well, there's two things that I loved a lot was um, looking at the collaborations. So many workshops that were not yes. individually put together, but, yes. also, but put together between two affiliates or affiliate a commi- and a committee uh, and, and seeing how how much we are getting closer to realizing how much more we have in common than we have uh, separating us from each other. And uh, obviously I'm going to close it with, <laughs> with a baguette, with, with a fun note. Uh, My favorite, one of my favorite was that I finally, after 10 years, listened to Janet's advice and we did the wine, BPI's famous wine tastings with the participation of the hotel in a beautiful room where I did not have to run the (laughs) room pouring wine. (laughs) Gorgeous, beautiful wine presentations. Thank you. So um, those are my highlights. (laughs) Well, you know, you're a very humble man. So
1: I'm going to shout out for you what you won't shout out for yourself. I, I think it's also extremely awesome that we had so much translation into the Spanish language, our resolutions, our constitution bylaw amendments, some of the programming for the actual convention. And that is all due to the subcommittee that you also lead, the hispanic subcommittee of the multicultural affairs committee and thank you i know the technical difficulties prevented you and swatha from presenting every day a daily recap but we'll fix that for schomburg but you also made it very and we'll easy also need to fix for the our time Spanish at which
4: that's going to happen <laughs> yeah
1: but you made it very easy for our spanish-speaking members to be able to at least have the information that they needed to try to enjoy our convention as much as all of our English-speaking counterparts. All right, so I have promised, um, and hopefully our guests are okay with staying for a little bit after we go off the streaming itself. Katie, who is up first with our audience questions?
7: Ray, go ahead, please.
0: All right, well, well, good afternoon. Um, Let me be the first from the officer corps uh, publicly uh, on Sunday edition to welcome you to the board. And I look forward to working with each of you. Um, Have worked with many of you in the past. So this will just be an extension of that. Um, I'd like to ask, um, community has really benefited the special interest affiliates in a big way. Many of them have grown. What are some things that we can do to carry that over to the state affiliates? because I believe in a lot of ways the state affiliates have suffered because of not being able to get together in person now we're starting to get back to that but many have suffered I'd like to hear some of your thoughts about that that's great so
1: this is the question that we're going to take we're going to go offline after this why don't we start with Rachel Terry and then Gabriel Rachel go
3: ahead hey yeah um of course you and I have talked about this Ray um this is something that um I agree with you wholeheartedly that that you know, we've got a resource that we haven't had until the last few years. Um, and, you know, definitely it has benefited um, special interest because of the nature of how community calls work and the, and the topics. Um, sure. But I would love to see a way where um, somehow states could be, um, could tap into that, tap into community where we could reach out to people in our states um, kind of as an extension of what community started um, and the introduction that people got to ACB through the community to be able to reach out from our states and say, hey, we we have, uh, have uh, met you through community calls and we would love to invite you to some of our in-person chapter events or for our state events and really get people connected even more so, um, not just through a virtual um, community, which is obviously awesome, um, but if we can kind of close that circle one more step and be able to Open, yeah. connect people to their state. So I really yeah. hope that we can do something like that. Obviously, you know, contacts and privacy has to be respected, but if there's a way we could figure out how to connect those two, I think that would be just
5: awesome. Terry? I very much agree with what Rachel has said. I think that we um, have, uh, there are a number of issues that I think that come into play with this, because while it has done, community has done some great things for some of our affiliates, it's, we've also got, I know of at least four affiliates that will no longer, that are no longer on community. And I think that we um, need to come up with a way I've got a couple of ideas, but they're kind of involved um, both for our special interest and for our state affiliates, especially the state affiliates. I think that there are some uh, some great lessons that they can learn from community uh, to carry over to help increase their membership and their and their members' participation. In their affiliates, um, I do think that there are things that can be done with it. Um, I think that there are some, a few issues that we have to hit face to, you know, do fa- hit face on, hit face
1: to face, um, yeah.
5: But it, it it definitely does have the potential. Now, I will say that, for instance, the last two weeks, and again in two weeks, uh, I've been running three calls just highlighting. Our special interest affiliates. I've done this in the past a few years ago, um, and those were all on community, and we did not have any increase, and in some cases decreases, in the number of people from community who actually participated in those calls.
1: So, Terry, uh, let me ask I think you that this: There
5: are a number of things that need to be looked at.
1: We're going to go off air in a moment. We're going to continue with our uh, question and answer period. And the a podcast edition of Sunday edition will, can, will uh, contain all of the question and answers uh, from our offline. Terry, how can they get in touch with you for Visibilities?
5: For Visibilities, you can uh, email me at Visibilities, which is V-I-S, Abilities. It's just like Disabilities, only with a V. It's V-I-S visibility. No, I'm saying it wrong. It's visibilities50 at gmail.com. Or as most people, at least on membership and oftentimes on community, will find my phone number is on there that you can also reach me on.
1: All right. Rachel, if they want to reach out to you, is there an email address you can give us?
3: okay now we're unmuted um yeah um my email address i'd love to hear from any of you that have comments questions or concerns is rschroeder.acb at outlook.com and yep it's uh rschroeder so it's r s c h r o e d e r uh, dot acb at outlook.com
4: all right gabriel Yes. Oh, the email. I'm sorry. Yes. So, president at blindlgbtpride.org. That is president at blindlgbtpride.org.
1: All right. For all of you who are listening and want to hear the rest of the question and answer period, Byron and I upload Sunday edition after we're finished to the podcast. You should get it in about an hour or so. Byron, take us out and we'll answer the rest of the questions.
2: All right. And uh, thanks to all of you who came onto the show. Congratulations on your new uh, positions.
4: Thank you.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Thank Byron, you. you are awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We gotta love Byron. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream one, that's American Council of Divine Media, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays, and you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.
2: All right. You guys are clear.
1: Katie, can you stay with us, or do you need Byron or I? Oh no, I'm good. Our All next stand right, so is
3: uh, Deanna. Go well, ahead, please.
1: Wait, hold on. Let's give uh, Gabriel the chance to answer the question. He oh, was sorry. the only one who wasn't? Gabe.
4: Well, I think um, the you know I think the state affiliates uh, have always traditionally had their state conventions to kind of get together <laughs> and to stay together. The special interest affiliates never had an opportunity uh, to kind of stick together. And the community has afforded that to them. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know, I I always like to tell people that the pandemic um, is is a a pandemic is something that happens maybe once every century. And we happen to be living one of those uh, rare instances. So obviously, there's going to be change coming out of it. Uh, so I think it's just gonna it's just a matter of time. I think uh state affiliates will definitely um, and their balance start exploring the new channels of communication afforded by community, uh, not relying solely on state conventions and and I think it's a matter of you know reaching that balance like you just said Anthony, you know the balance between you know, special and state affiliates where we are all on um, basically equal grounds. And
1: if I can jump in here for one second, um, privilege as show host, I, I think that the special interest affiliates, or at least a, a good portion of us, realize the opportunity early on. I know BPI was in, you know, in the creation of the community call system. We were there at the very beginning. There were some ideas that we had already been doing that community borrowed. But um, I think the special interest affiliates, the leadership, um, I'm sorry, the state affiliates, the leaderships of those specific state affiliates kind of need to step up and say, hey, you know, other affiliates are doing this and it's working. So how do we tweak this for our, you know, our specific state? All right, Katie, who's next?
7: Deanna, go ahead, please. <laughs> Hi. Um, first of all, I want to thank Gabriel and Rachel and Terry for stepping up because it's it's a big commitment. And
1: Absolutely, girl. I'm going to stop you there just for a <laughs> second because I think inquiring minds want to know how's it going with you and the new puppy.
7: <laughs> Very well. He's a sweetheart. All
1: right. Continue. But,
7: but, you know, we're still in that early stage where I'm square dancing and he's salsa
1: dancing. So. <laughs> <laughs> at least he's not trying to get you in a tank, though.
7: <laughs> no, no. Um, but he's got all of the qualities I asked for in in a new dog at this stage of my life. <laughs> he's he's a, a really lovely dog. And I think we're going to make a great team. Essentially, when I stop tripping over my own feet. So. Happy to
1: hear that. What's your question, honey?
7: Well, I wanted to say that I have been a member of ACB since 1980. A lot of that time, a very quiet member. But you I do... quiet? <laughs> I know. Oral Miller liked what my brothers used to call me because um, when my grandmother named me Quiet Water, my younger brother. Oscar said no no you got it wrong granny she's she's a babbling brook but (laughs) but but, um, no I I have been a quiet observer a lot of my life and if I talk as much as I do among ACB it's because I do consider you family and in in family I'm not as shy as I am the rest of my life (laughs) so um I remember when BPI first came in as, as B-Flag, and I got to know a lot of the um, early leaders because I often stood behind them in the affiliate <laughs> roll calls, <laughs> and they were always wonderful, um, and open and kind and caring. So when I first ran for um, a Board of Applications position, I was doing it because we were in, in a Rocky Road transitional period as as an organization, um, both in affiliates and at the national level. And that happens because we're a democracy. So we do yes. sometimes stumble and we struggle. Needs to regroup. Yeah. yeah. To think things through and come up with a you know a a mutual agreement that this is what we believe and then go forward and so um, I commend anyone who's brave enough to stand up there and say okay um, you know I don't know what I'm doing but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my best shot because I see a need and that's what we want from all of our members I think because everybody has gifts. They may not seem like a big gift to you, but they can make a difference. We all can. Every
1: gift can make a difference. Absolutely.
7: And yeah. that's what we need is the the commitment to to get over feeling like you don't have anything to offer. And so I can do this. I can make phone calls. I can. I can. You know. And then just step up and and take that little role because all of those tiny pieces are what makes ACB work.
1: I love you, honey. Do you have a specific question or are you just giving some <laughs> oh, no, props to our I, three new members?
7: <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say that that I'm really, really glad they're here. And I'm glad that we demonstrate our diversity again because um, mm-hmm. we need old old thinkers like Terry who's got energy and dy- dynamism to, to put in. And yes. we need... Rachel, as you know, is one of the, the next gen people and we, yes. need, we need Gabriel because we need to understand each other and work together, all of us, Beautiful. regardless of where we come from, or what our background is, or what gifts we have to offer.
1: Thank well,
3: you for Janet, those thank words. Thank you so
1: Janet. much. Thank you very much. Yeah.
4: Thank you. Thank you for And I really words, like for
3: thinking I was a next gen person.
4: I, I was <laughs> and, and, and Rachel you 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 you, you I was going to I was going <laughs> to make the opposite comment. I was going to tell uh, Diana that I'm I'm you know, yes, I, I you know, diversity and everything but I'm also part of, you know, that next generation. Barely. Yes, <laughs> barely, barely. I know. Barely, barely. <laughs> I know.
3: But, and and I right, think it's baby, wonderful. You're not
4: old. You're not old. We get
1: it. Next (laughs) Next, we
3: have area code six eighty two ending
7: in five nine seven. Please unmute and tell us who you are.
1: Six eighty two going once. Six eighty two going once. Oh hey Calandra. Welcome back to Sunday. What's your question, honey?
8: Um my question are this. And I probably have asked a bunch of people here outside of what you do what what
1: um, interests um, do you like outside of your work if you were perhaps somewhere um, in a do you like to perhaps read or do crafts or listen to music or such things because I know
5: Calandra, that we are
1: honey, seeing black here. I don't yeah. Calandra, I love you, honey. I think I'm gonna paraphrase your question. Outside of ACB, what are some of your interests and passions? Gabriel, go first. We'll That's
4: go back. My oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Gabriel. Thank you for that question, Calandra. Besides gonna... wine and opera, what are your outside of ACB <laughs> well,
4: passions? Definitely wine <laughs> and opera. Um uh, air. <laughs> airplanes and everything air travel related and uh i i just i guess you know a little bit of i'm a very eclectic person but i love food any kind of food i enjoy
1: okay baby you need to add one more item to that list everything anthony corona <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right terry how about you outside of acb what are some of your passions
5: Outside of ACB, I serve as the president of the Metropolitan Washington Ear, which is uh, just about one of the oldest radio reading services, and was where audio description got its infancy and started with Dr. Margaret Fanstill who we still uh, do a, uh, an award in- Attributed ADC, to her. Yeah. And, um, and attributed to her. I also um, was very honored several years ago to be made an honorary member of the Perkins school for the blinds alumni association. And I now serve as their treasurer and on their editing staff for their annual newsletter. Um, what else do I do? Frank, um, I love to travel and most people know that you don't call me early on Saturday or Sunday mornings because Friday and Saturday nights are called music nights in our house where, there might be a little Guinness or a little wine or something um, that gets consumed. Must be by Rudolph, not by us, of course. And uh, we both we both very much love music, um, many genres, probably especially um, Irish ballads and '60s, '70s, '80s music.
1: And awesome! I'm gonna take this opportunity. I think that's about it. <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity from every single member of ACB to just send a huge shout out of thanks to Frank Pacheco, who supports and loves you through all of your wonderful, crazy, uh, forward thinking, past thinking, all the ideas that you bring to the American Council of the Blind, that Frank is there supporting you behind the scenes, I think is so amazing. Rachel. Rachel. What are some of your outside I'm, ACB interests?
0: Thank you. I, I'm so lucky to have the most wonderful wife in the world here. And she, I'm so, and she is so, I'm so glad. She's so wonderful, to ACB.
1: And
8: we are so thank lucky you. that
1: you are so understanding that you allow her to give so much of her time to us. I mean, there's not a Sunday edition. When I'm doing an important topic, I know. At some point, there's going to be a raised hand by Terry Pacheco, and I try to be <laughs> in every disabilities that I can be at. Yeah. So thank you for giving us your wife's time. I know that it's got to be at times you say to yourself, Terry, no more, because my, my guy here, Gabriel, says to me, can you not have any new ideas for, I don't know, maybe like three weeks can we just coast on what we're doing now? <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I do say that. <laughs> He's great. All right, Rachel, uh-huh.
1: you're um, you're outside of ACB interests.
3: Yeah, you know, there's so many things that I thought, man, I wish I had mentioned that and I wish I had mentioned that. Now I get a chance to uh talk about the ultimate pride and joy of my life is being a mom to seven-year-old Delaney, yes. my baby girl yes. Delaney. Um <laughs> And I think that's, she is one driving motivation for me also to advocate and do the work I do with ACB because I want to be a good role model for her and a, you know, mentor for her that her mom's out there kicking butt, you know. Um, and honey, but, you're doing it. <laughs> thank you. Um, so I think, uh, you know, just spending time with her, I I just, that is you know, the hardest job you ever love. Wasn't there a commercial about that? They probably weren't talking about being a mom, but I am. Um, That's just my ultimate, um, you know, outside joy. Um, But in addition to that, I love reading. Um, I love music. I'm a a radio broadcaster, which I actually failed to mention on air, um, which I think is kind of ironic. But um, so I do (laughs) music shows. I actually have one um, that uh, I do on... um, uh acb media Four, um and uh, it's on tuesday soft sounds and i have i broadcast yeah. on some other radio stations as well and um aside from that uh just really hanging out with friends i'm into martial arts i need to go back um i'm I love, you know, doing, staying active that way. I love walking. I have a guide dog. Whenever I get a chance to get out with her, I like to do that. So, Um, and really just, just uh, hang out with a lot of ACB friends as well. So I cannot wait to see all of you in Schaumburg and I am down with the wine Gabriel let's do this
1: yeah <laughs> let's do it yeah well we are sure that you're an amazing mama and we can't wait to enfold your Delaney into a hug in Schomburg. Oh, wow. Katie yes.
7: how many more hands do
0: we have and who to, is next? Uh,
7: Kenneth right, is awesome. next go ahead please Kenneth.
0: Hello everybody I want to congratulate our new board members I've already stated that to them, but I do believe they will be a great asset to our board moving forward. One thing I wanted to bring up as uh, a topic about succession planning. Uh, last year, those of us who uh, entered the race uh, for a seat on the board of directors, we shared one concern that's about sustaining ACB for the future, and that mm-hmm. goes along with the succession. And I noticed that Gabe had this entry into his uh, <laughs> <Canada's> <laughs> yes. page that uh, this is one of the most important challenges he felt that ACB would face is succession. So I wanna ask each one of our board members uh, just to state something about how you will be able to help us to move forward with uh, better succession planning and how important it is to you for ACB to be sustained.
1: All right, before we go to
0: our panelists,
1: nope, nope, I wanna take this moment. Because, you know, I am one of last year's beat J.P. Morgan. Byron is one of this year's. And I have to say this, absolutely state it unequivocally. If you have a question about leadership, go to Kenneth. This man will give you everything that he has, everything that he knows. He will find things from the past that that he's come across or that he has specifically presented. This man... Cares about ACB. If you have a question about leadership or mentorship, go to Kenneth.
4: But Gabriel, yes, you can open up this.
6: Go <laughs>
4: yeah, because Kenneth mentioned me. And, and yes, that was one of the, that was my, my answer to the question uh, of the biggest challenge facing ACB. And I think it's not just an ACB matter. I think it's any organization that has a, a good number of years behind its reputation because Yes, we definitely understand that the, uh, let's say that, that generation uh, that is more adult or more seasoned than the rest of us, they have the know-how on how to make sure that an organization um, survives, exists, connects, networks, and, and, and thrives within a greater community um and, and Terry,
1: but go on <laughs> the when
4: the the way i like to see it uh, kenneth is first of all amen to the maps program um so thank you and cheryl for spearing, spearheading that and donna and yes and donna donna brown absolutely um i thank you the three of you for spearheading this and uh and and i see a great great deal of um exchange of information through the maps program the way I want to address this or the way I want to figure this out moving forward is you know kind of changing the mindset that we're we're adopting while we go into it both mentors and mentees I believe that mentees have a great deal of information that our older leadership, I hate that we're older, but I didn't find another word, Uh, you know, our more seasoned leadership um, uh, needs to know about. So I don't see this as, you know, mentees are here to learn uh, and, and, and just learn. Mentees are here to learn some of the traits of being a leader, but they're also here to teach us some of the new trends, some of the new ways of doing things, some of the new ways of reaching out to people, some of the ways of people engage and and making sure that people stay interested in what we have to offer, so I like to see the relationship between mentors and mentees as a uh, give and take give and take you know we have some uh, leadership traits that we want to share with mentees, and mentees have some of the Keeping current and alive um, traits that they can and should be sharing with us.
1: Great answer. How about you, Terry? You come from a very long perspective. I feel
5: like the antique around here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You are the finely aged bottle of wine around here. (laughs) And that is very important
4: for me.
5: I, I i agree very much with most of what um gabriel just said i th- and i think the i think the mentoring program is something that's long overdue i think that um what i think is i think you make an excellent point that everybody needs to learn from one another the mentees need to mentor the mentors as well as the other way around um but i also think that in order to become Good uh, leaders. That the people need to learn a lot about the various areas of the organization and the various the various uh, types of members that we have. Um, the we arms, have, yeah, yeah, all of the different things. Learning, learning through a committee, not necessarily heading a committee, but learning through it. You know, you really do need to learn the ropes of any organization, just like you do when you go into any corporation. I mean, I've worked for—I don't know—forty-eight of the last fifty years of my work life, um, something like that. Um, and you—you—you you, you know, you—you—you you, you have to—you you have to learn the ropes. And I think that this mentoring program has the potential to do that for people to learn. The organization as a whole, not just one segment or another segment. The pieces that interest you.
6: Yeah. Yes.
5: Yeah. You need to learn the things that don't interest you as much as the ones that do. And I All think right, the Rachel? mentoring program yeah. has a great chance to do that.
3: Yeah. I almost forgot what the question was because I kept saying, go, Gabriel, go. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, yeah, I agree also um, that the mentoring um, program is, I think, going to be a real asset. Um, I, too, agree, you know, that everybody can learn from everybody else. You know, there's everybody has different life experiences. Everybody brings something different to the table. And, you know, we all need to to be aware of that and and try to be understanding of what somebody brings to the table because, you know, I certainly don't have all the answers or all the best ideas all the time. I have some of them, but, you know, everybody else has great ideas as well. And I think that those need to be heard. And and it's like uh, Gabriel said, you know, I'm just saying it different words. It's definitely a two-way street. Um, I look forward to working with people and trying to see how I can bring their ideas to leadership and to the board. Um, I think also what's really important is keeping advocacy in the forefront of people's minds because there are people, all of the mentors of all of us sitting here in this Zoom room and, and everybody listening right now have worked really hard. To advocate for people down the generations and ACB into the future, and we need to maintain that. You know, if we if we just kind of dismiss all that hard work and don't really think mm-hmm. about what it took to get here, then yes. what are we yes. going to pass on to the people that are you know the in the next? There
1: for us. Yeah. Exactly,
3: exactly, <laughs> and so well, I right. think i think really our mentors oh, oh thank you <laughs> but yeah so all I, these things like, I, I don't mean, like, like...
4: Ho- hold on anthony just like God, rachel babe. was saying go go rachel go or, i mean go gabriel, go, gabriel. <laughs> you know what rachel made me think of right now and i'm gonna be very brief um i come from an arab family my grandfather was and my grandparents were the on my mom's side were the founders of a uh, one of the big co- biggest coffee roasters in Central America. Unfortunately, my grandparents were Arabic, so they didn't think that women deserved anything. So everything was inherited to my uncles, not not my mom or her sisters. But anyway, that's beyond the the. the. What I want to say is that when training the younger generations into carrying or 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 um, moving forward with the business, my grandfather. Was the only one who had the keys to open the factory and open the offices, and um, the 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 sentiment that he expressed was like, until you do not, until you know what it costs to get here, you do not get the keys because you know you need to you need to know the value and you need to know the history of what it took to get to to where we are today.
1: So I'm going to interject for a second. I I don't know how many hands we have left, but we're going to take two more after this. Um, I want to interject for just one second and ask each of you, I hate the word failure personally, but I know the value of what failing at something offers us in in our full life experience. So in mentoring, in, in incorporating new ideas through the organization, what does ideas that may fail or may not um come to the fruition that we hope they come to what value do they offer the organization and we'll go backwards we'll start with rachel this time
3: oh you save the toughest for last um <laughs> i think failure is and i agree with you i don't really like that word but um i i think opportunities to learn <laughs> How about that um you know, does just that gives us an opportunity to look at something that may not have gone quite the way we had hoped, and look at what went into into the succession of of whatever situation that was, and say, okay, this is where this is where it fell apart. Um, in trying to incorporate this idea next time here's what I'd like to do differently, or here's, here's why it fell apart. So let me be proactive and say, okay, I'm going to do this differently so that it doesn't have an opportunity to fall apart as, as it did. So, you know, I take, and, you know, I've certainly had things that I wish could have gone differently in the past. I think everybody does. And you just have to take those as learning opportunities. And, and, and I look at all sides. Um, Immediately when I look at a situation, I look at myself first. How could I have changed a situation? It's really easy to throw blame it at other people in other situations and say, well, they did this or they didn't do that. So this is why it didn't work. But I um, and this is why, you know, I've stayed up late at nights thinking about things. You know, I look at myself first and how could I have impacted that situation negatively or or positively? And so I think that gives me a good foundation and perspective to work on as we move forward with any challenges that we face.
1: And so, Rachel, in every quote-unquote perceived failure, do you see opportunity?
3: I think so. Um, right now, I can't think of one where... I could say this just didn't work. Everything was beyond my control because in any situation you 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 have control over how you approach it. If nothing else, if you don't have control over the situation itself, you have control over how you react to it. So there's even a minor bit of control there in one way or another. And if you're, open up, if you're open-minded enough to try to learn from it, then there's no reason why you can't learn from something that, that may have been perceived as a failure.
4: Gabriel, same two questions. Oops, sorry, I was muted. So I definitely see failure as learning opportunities. I think that um, failure... Is not representative of the effort that we put into things. And it's not representative of our personal set of skills. It's more or representative. Commitment. It's exactly our commitments. Yes. Um, it's more representative of the circumstances and it's more representative of uh, giving us the, the giving us the guidelines on how to better work things to make them fit the actual circumstances. I, um, my, my big definition of failure was when I was in high school and I did not tell my chemistry teacher that I was visually impaired because obviously I was ashamed. So she did all these explanations on the blackboard and then I took a test and I got a big fat zero. And you know, that was a failure for me, but you know what happened, what what it yielded. She asked me what happened. And I said, what happened is that I cannot see the board when you write things. And I couldn't understand a single thing. So I filled out this test to the best of my ability and to the best of the knowledge that I gathered through hearing what you had to say. From that moment on, the relationship changed and she was aware of how to You know, so it was a failure. Yes, I had the zero. (laughs) But moving forward, she knew how to better accommodate me. And like that, I think we've all experienced so many instances where we think we failed and we think it's the end of the world. But it just opens up, I think. Doors and
1: windows to go forward.
4: I think one thing that we need to keep, and, and I think it's not by coincidence that both words start with the same letter. I think failure goes hand in hand with faith because I think within every failure, uh, we have to have faith that that failure happened for a reason. And that reason is for us to come triumphant and to come uh, successful on the other side of failure. Terry?
1: I very
5: much agree with both Rachel and Gabriel on this. I do think that... Probably the most important thing we need to do when something appears to be a failure is to look deep inside ourselves and see what could we have done differently. What could the other people who were involved in it perhaps have done differently? What could we have done to influence the way that collectively, that, yeah, uh, collectively, exactly the way that it worked? And then the other thing I think we need to do is to really assess: was it truly a failure? Or was it something that perhaps was a failure at this time, but we could put Just on the shelf? Just a stumbling
1: block. That, yeah.
5: Well, a stumbling block, but something more that we could put on the shelf that may work ten years from now, or may work
1: five mm-hmm. years from now. Awesome. All right, Katie, we're going to take two more hands. So we have exactly
3: on- two hands.
1: Oh, perfect. Number oh, number two one
3: five ending in six. I, think um, I know who
4: um, that is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't wow. hide anymore. Hi, everybody. Oh, no. oh Is my, God. my God. My God. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. Uh, hello. Will, well, me mention, first of all, let me say committee. that
8: I've, <laughs>
0: thank you. I've been on
8: this show so much that I accidentally put it as a standing commitment on my calendar, and I You're can't going, figure girl. out how to get it off. No, so well, don't. Don't. <laughs> I, I, I want you show here every up. week. You are one of our
1: beautiful Beautiful light filled (laughs) Voices you bring joy Don't
8: change that calendar
1: I will I will hunt you down, girl. <laughs> Thank you.
8: Um, you know, first of all, I want to say wow to these new board members. I am so excited, and I'm really thrilled that I didn't waste my vote. Okay, so I'm glad you all got excited, got elected, and and I am excited by your passion, your energy, your enthusiasm. Now, here comes the question. I want you to put your board of directors hat on. OK, because I've been listening to some wonderful ideas and wonderful thoughts. But one thing I know about particularly the ACB Board of Directors and most boards of directors is the focus that is on policy, number one. And number two, the allocation of fiscal resources. Yes. So what <laughs> I want to ask you to talk about is how do we, but I'm speaking to you specifically as, as board members, how do we put our money where our mouth is? And what do you think should be our fiscal priorities? Thank you. <laughs> okay, real quick, before
1: they start to answer, I just have to say, I was waiting for your hand because I knew the question you were going to bring to us was going to be something that was Extremely valuable, and, and you didn't disappoint me. i got girl. one
8: favor: would you let Gabe go first? That's my payback for being on a panel with him this summer. Okay.
1: <laughs> you know what, girl? You put him through his paces. You
8: asked him questions that were the hard ones, and he
1: was
4: the well, first one that had to quick.
1: answer it. <laughs> 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 All right, Gabriel.
4: You know, I, I was, I was, I was, I was gonna say. I think since Pam put me through fire at convention with her questions, I think she's going to go easy on me, and she's probably going to have Rachel or Terry go first. But how wrong? Yeah, no,
1: no, no. It don't work that way.
3: <laughs>
1: Not with
4: Pam Shaw.
3: Thank you, Pam. Pam. I'll pay you back. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Real quick.
1: Real quick. Real quick. Everybody who's left here in this room, a quick round of applause to Pam Shaw who has given years and years and years of service <laughs> to the American Council of the Blind and is the fair person of the Mental Bob, Health oh and God. Emotional Well-Being Committee for the American Council of the Blind. You go, my girl.
4: Gabriel, <laughs> answer her question now. And do her well. Do her proud. Pam, um, the way I think we have already started putting things in perspective and putting things into reality and i think um uh, and don't burst my bubble but i think the fact that i got elected into the board of the american council of the blind definitely speaks volumes of the evolution and the progress that this organization has made here, here. Um, and the spanish content here, here. Uh, not, o- not only not only being inclusive of you know, the, uh, 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 being someone who brings a perspective from outside the U.S. and into this country that uh, gives us so much. We have so many things to complain about. We have so many things to advocate for. But, we, but I think um, I was elected um, as a reminder of the things that we should be grateful for and the things we have achieved as an organization and as a body of advocacy. Um, So I think we're well on our way to put our mouth where our money is. We uh, definitely need to redefine diversity, equity, and inclusion. And like I said, we need to realize that uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion are not just fancy words that need to be a part of our numbers and our statistics but need to be a part of who we are and a part of the fiber of the organization and like I said again I think um, that ACB has is doing a great job there's a lot of room for improvement but that's what we're here for and I think some of the fiscal priorities for the organization need to be um obviously advocacy which is primarily being true to our mission and vision which is you know we are primarily an advocacy organization but i also think that fiscally we need to make sure that we put our money where it's gonna have the 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 largest or the biggest ripple effect where we're gonna touch Mm -hmm. as many lives as possible not only with the idea of enfolding people within the ACB community or the ACB family, but also, you know, I think enfolding people or bringing people into the ACB community is an effect of making that difference and making that difference in people's life and lives and people saying, "ACB fought for this uh, topic that was so." important for me and acb whether we won or we lost uh quote unquote lost uh ACB showed yes me,
6: acb yes. showed
4: me that uh, the organization yes. stands for what i believe and gives me the place at the table that i deserve so i think being uh you know gaining membership or growing in numbers is just an effect of what we do Those people. So, I think our fiscal priorities need to be obviously uh, in terms of uh, serving people inside and outside the organization that share our common uh, goal. And uh, I think that our fiscal responsibility and our fiscal priorities need to go to make sure that this organization is sustainable and that we allocate our resources within. Um, ensuring that our staff and our logistical, uh, you know, the, the the necessary logistical aspects of an organization to be viable uh, are always uh, maintained and are always being met. You know, the, uh, the 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 making sure that our our staff is recognized not only uh, morally but also uh, financially for the work and the dedication that they put into the organization. Gabriel, before I go
1: to Terry and and Rachel to answer this question, I want to give you a secondary piece of this. Being a naturalized citizen, being someone who came to ACB from a dual perspective of citizenship in a Latin American country and the United States, What do we as the American Council of the Blind hold as a responsibility for the rest of the world to show as far as our advocacy, fiscal responsibility, uh, the things that we choose to hold as a banner, as an organization, where is our responsibility to our American citizens and our partnerships and citizens who have become members from, you know, we've got Finland, Australia, the Middle East. So where do we hold responsibility on the world stage?
4: You know, um, the organization that I worked for in Honduras, that I was part of the board of directors for many, many years, um, uh, uh, we were almost entirely um, financed by uh, Caritas from Germany, which is a Catholic institution. And uh, Caritas, uh went through a process of uh changing leadership and once the new leadership was in uh, that was at the beginning of the 2000s um said uh okay we're giving all this money to this institution serving the blind in honduras that's great what are you guys doing to sustain yourselves so that's when they said okay we're gonna we're gonna match we're gonna give you as much money as you raise um so, putting that into perspective and bringing that as a comparative with ACB, ACB puts a lot of its res- of its resources, and we barely, barely, barely. We have to fight with you know teeth and <laughs> nails to 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 get what what we deserve and what we uh, what we need to uh, move forward and to subsist and to coexist the um the, the you know the difference is that a c b is not waiting for hands out handouts a c b is an organization that not yes. only produces but also generates demands and demands and, and makes sure that we're not only fighting for funding we're fighting for advocacy we're fighting for recognition we're fighting for equality we're fighting for so many things that it gets to a point where mainstream community has to acknowledge what the American Council of the Blind is doing and how an important figure within the larger political and socioeconomic uh, uh, playing field, the American Council of the Blind plays, because, you know, we have the ability of influencing our membership and we have the ability of representing our membership. So uh, as long as we keep that autonomy and as long as we keep showing the world how solid we are regardless of government intervention or regardless of government support or lack thereof i think we're going to continue being an example because we are showing the world that as long as there's passion and as long as there's i don't like this word i because i want to change this word manpower into people power as long as we show that we have people power and as long as we show that we have the energy to continue this fight and to continue yes. generating not okay. only human resources but also yeah. economic resources, we you know, we are a part of the the wheels that move the world.
1: So my question to you is gonna be my question to the other two that are gonna answer in a moment. Following up on what you just said, what is our relationship to the World Blind Union? And do we need to put more resources into the World Blind Union from the American Council of the Blind?
4: Well, I think our you know, relationship has been proven to be strong. Uh, Mark Workman was uh, present at ACB National this year. Unfortunately, due to COVID, he had to join all of our sessions via Zoom. Uh, from his hotel room. Like Byron, um, he was cooking. Yes. <laughs>
6: yes. 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 <laughs> like just well, like Byron. Byron. So see,
4: Byron, you, you were not alone. You were, you were on, on equal footing with the press, with the CEO of the World Blind <laughs> <laughs> Union. I think the World Blind Union um, and ACB share so many common uh, denominators and we share so many uh, common goals. I think that um, the way in which we could strengthen that uh, collaboration with the World Blind Union is by uh, fostering those relationships. And you know, near and dear to my heart is the International Relations Committee. Yeah, which uh, we 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 make sure that we always maintain a very symbiotic relationship with blind uh communities around the world, whether it be communities that give something to A C B or need something or from need, ACB. Or
1: seeking something, yes.
4: Yes. So so we we I think as long as we have good representation, we have the best representation from A C B and the World Line Union. Kim Charlson has been a longtime supporter a longtime member, and um, she knows all the policies and all the intricacies of international blindness. Uh, Paul Edwards is another uh, person who uh, who gives a lot to the international arena of blindness. So I think that as long as we keep our messaging clear and as long as we keep our messaging direct and very, 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 very um, poignant about what we plan to do and what we are fighting for, uh, I think yeah, I think we're on the right track to solidify our relationship with the World Line Union. Rebecca Pam's
1: original question and my addendums. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> it's Rachel, but that's okay. Um, I've been called Rebecca. Wait, Man- what did sorry. I say? <laughs> you <laughs> said Rebecca Anthony, and I was like, Who's "Oh my God!" I'm
1: sorry, about? Rachel. Rachel, I love you, love you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Rachel.
3: <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> um, first off, let me say. Um, I have the joy and uh, privilege to serve on the women's committee with Pam. Um, I've never gotten questions like this from her in the committee. I was hoping that maybe I could wait till tomorrow to the committee meeting to answer it. But no. I um, know. But girl, doesn't she always bring it? She brings it. She does. Yeah. It's Pam. You can't not answer her questions. But but you know what? I I could almost just say, yeah, what Gabriel said and be done with it. Because (laughs) (laughs) um, no, Gabriel... (laughs) A lot of great points. Um, and if I can remember all the questions from way back when, um, I, I'll, I'll start with the, the most recent. Um, I agree also that we have a good relationship with the World Blind Union and we just need to continue to foster that. Um, and I think Kim is do, um, doing a great job. I know Mitch has, uh, Pomerantz has also work with World Blind Union as well. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of countries that are involved in world blind union i'm i'm not as well versed in in all that is world blind union but um you know there's a lot of countries that probably uh look at us as a standard that that um you know if if given the same resources they would be able to do as well you know so if we can work with the uh, world blind union and the world blind union is their mission to support, you know, all blind citizens throughout the world, you know, then we can, um, you know, be able to do some good through that relationship as well. Um, I do need to get more versed in world blind union. It's, it's been interesting, but I haven't been able to follow it quite as much as I would like to. Um,
1: So Rachel, before I go to Terry, let me ask you this. Are we the gold standard? do we need to be do we want to be are we the gold standard for the rest of the world
3: you know i i would i don't like that because i mean we certainly have a lot to offer but so does everybody else um mm. you know and again everybody brings something to the table but but i do think you know a lot of people do look to us as that gold standard um You know, and we need to just do the very best we can. You know, what's our responsibility
1: when that when it comes to when South Africa, when Australia, when you know Ethiopia, when they're looking to us for the services we provide to our blind and low vision community? Where do we need to make sure, no matter what, that we are shining the beacon?
3: I think making sure that everyone knows that they have. The rights as anybody else, and if it's something that they feel strongly enough about, that they they have the right to to expect, you know, good services and knowledge. Um, I spoke with some people uh, several months ago, and I can't remember what country they were from. Um, I was talking to them about technology and there was technology that uh, I had in my hands that they had never seen before.
1: Or heard of, yeah.
3: And um, they were just amazed. And it's, and, you know, we, we are extremely fortunate to have so many resources. I don't think we realize sometimes how many resources there are out there that we just take for granted that other people don't have. I could sit here any, you know, any time with my refreshable refreshable braille display. Um, some of these people that I had talked to had never seen that, and that was just really eye opening. You know that um, people don't Rachel, always, yeah.
1: I ask you this, as the American Council of Blind, as you know, part of the greatest democratic experiment on the planet is it our job to show the rest of the world what is possible what's available is it our job to try to make it better for the rest of the world or should we just focus on our own people and be done with it
3: um wow i think i really think we need to we certainly need to focus at home you know and make sure that we are are um, you know focusing on our people, membership, community, and blind citizens of the U.S. But you know, I think I think there probably is a, a bit of um, you know responsibility. Maybe I mean, not that we can solve all the world's problems because we can't. But we can
1: show them the way. But or we at can least certainly we show them the way.
3: what possibilities are out there. Yes absolutely we could we could do that we're not going to solve all the world's problems we're not even going to solve all our problems but all we can thank you we just need to be able to be open-minded enough to be um you know helpful and and fulfill our mission to the best of our ability for all blind citizens
1: all right terry you're up you know what the questions are fire your shot
5: <clears throat> Going back to Pam's original question, um, if I remember it right <laughs> at this point, I think that the, um, I think it's very interesting we're coming on to the board right just about at the beginning of the infamous budget calls. Uh, budget meetings,
1: <laughs> yes, coming up in October. <laughs> yes, girl. There you go. I remember them
5: well. <laughs> and I think um, a couple of things that I think we need to we need to continue to look at um, the fact, you know, uh, several things that have come up through this conversation, as far as funding and such is concerned. HCB has never applied at least that I'm aware of. Um, I know the board always voted against ever doing this. We have never applied for any federal money, be it a grant or anything else. We have also never, ever um, applied, uh, pushed, um, what's the word I want? It's gone out of my head right now. Um, As far as um, endorsing any product um, it sometimes does, may not seem that way because uh, we, we, we get a lot of funding from that, but we do it as sponsorships. We do not, for instance, run generally run ads on our website, for instance, or in the Braille Forum or something like that for any organization. We have never been one to, to support or endorse one product over another. Um, I think those are... Some, some just those just touch on a few of our ethical standards that we i think have done very well at keeping in place through the years um we get into you know we we've never been we've done a few lawsuits um but primarily we've used the structured negotiation uh model with um Jay, uh, Lainey feingold for instance in yeah. In making in making things Im- improved, in improving and also things. with Peloton, with Peloton, yes, with Peloton. Yep. Peloton that's another well,
8: good no. example,
5: yeah, yeah. Any number of uh, with many of the grocery stores and and supermarkets with the um, uh, checkout machines, um, which my sister would be disgusted. But I can't re- think of the right term for those. Uh, Self
1: so checkout,
5: all them. No, the you know the yeah okay. Um, point of purchase point of, sale. Right. Point of sale point mm-hmm. of sale point of sale a point of purchase mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. anyhow we've you know we d- we've we done a lot with what we've had to, d- to work with and I think we can continue to do that I think our sponsorships are have been a great thing I think we can um, I think maybe we could improve them I think we could improve some uh, both some in quantity and in quality um and what are we giving what you know where what's the uh, best exchange with them um as far as you get this if you give us that
1: uh that kind yeah.
5: of
1: thing um, yeah I think this, the quid pro quo needs board, to be more elevated yes. absolutely
5: yeah yeah i think so um i think that you know and i think those are issues that the board that we as board right. members really need to look at um maybe it's because of my um, accounting background that I kind of tend to go into that, into that area. Tim, I'm trying desperately to remember what the other, it was the fiscal and something else. And I don't remember the other. Well, you've
8: really the- got into it. I, I think you okay. really covered it with the remarks that you made because you answered both of them pretty much at the same time, which is exactly my thought about not only, you know, what policies, but also in terms of how would they connect to the things that you have talked about today. So thank you.
5: Okay, thank you. As far oh, as- Pam, before
1: if, you-
8: Go ahead, Terry, and then I have a question.
5: I was gonna say, as far as um, the, are, are we the gold standard? Um, I don't think we are the gold standard in a lot of areas. We are very up there, but there are there are some, areas that are very important to us that have been mastered in other countries decades ago. One um, that pops to mind, I remember one time years ago, a gentleman coming in, two gentlemen came to the office and met with Melanie and I on accessible pedestrian signals and um, something else. And I oh, and a currency identification of currency and they were from, I think it was Belgium. It was Belgium or, <clears throat> or Germany. I forget which. And we were so far behind them at the time. And we yeah, still are. And still are. And we still, <laughs> are. And we still are. But yeah. yes, we, we, have some, we have made some great strides in technology um, in so many different areas. And we are definitely, I would say, in the top five or 10. But I don't think we have the
3: top. Can um, I go back to go ahead? Go ahead, Terry. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, if it's okay. I, I don't know that I ever answered Pam's question. I'm not sure. Okay, go ahead, girl. Um, One thing, you know, you talk about fiscal responsibility. You got me with the Worldline Union, Anthony. You threw me off. Um, <laughs> um, But I think of fiscal responsibility. I I also would say, again, I do agree with what Gabriel said, but what I would also add is that, um, yes, we do need to be very good stewards of of our financial um, assets. You know, we as leaders of this organization, um, you know, are responsible for making good decisions. You know, and we need to we need to keep that in mind. Um, but if at all possible, um, in addition to all the things that have already been said, it would be great if if there was some sort of Potential for either a grant, um, some things that might help out affiliates who might be struggling with um, fundraising, membership, anything that requires kind of financial resources that they could potentially tap into. Um, ACB, certainly both for, for advice and potentially some financial assistance, just to be able to, to get off the ground. I can remember so many times I thought of fundraising ideas, well, you know, you got to spend money to make money. And if you don't have that money to spend, you can't make it. Um, So something like that, again, I, I say that now as a kind of half-baked idea, but it certainly is something that I at times had wished. Um, that we could have tapped into if, if that had been available. So, you know, just just some financial assets that could be allocated back to work with um, state or specialist interest affiliates, should they be needed. Yeah, I no, think, that would be, I you think know, that what? Would you be hit excellent... that point,
1: you hit that nail on the head point. Because, you know, affiliates like Blind Pride International, Women's Concerns, Special Education Task Force, there are grants out there that are specifically, Mm -hmm. you know, designated towards those initiatives. The DYE is being carved up as far as, you know, usable dollars are concerned. There are certain foundations that are about racial equity. There are certain foundations that are about learning. Mental health. The way people learn, etc. You know, so whether you're a visual learner, an audio learner, and a learner that does it through repetition, you know, there there are foundations out there that are looking to give their money to organizations that are specifically following those specific pieces, and we definitely fall into a couple of those categories.
3: Absolutely,
1: we we do. Yeah, we do, and that's why we, we need to chase those opportunities.
3: I could have I think I would have given any amount of money if I had it to to have somebody who was better at researching some of that than I to try to tap into those resources. Now having said that, ACB has always offered resources and we have taken acb up on resources but that kind of thing is so much of an ongoing thing and it changes all the time yeah. and what one yeah. resource that might be out there today may not be that out there tomorrow and vice versa so it's an ongoing effort to try to find those resources and tap into them that's and, a, let me just
8: pam i'm getting ready to do a game real quick as the oh, person on, who as the person who submitted the question, <laughs> you know what I just want to say one word to you guys, and that is the word contracts
1: oh, yes,
8: yes. there are so... groups that that need contractors, people who can provide the service such as training in working with blind people on crisis hotlines, so that's just a little dip. But contracts. I just wanted to throw that word in there. So, mm-hmm. Pam, before you go, congratulations. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere till you all
1: go.
6: <laughs> With
1: all my heart and all my soul, congratulations for being the chairperson for the new mental health initiative for the American Council of the Blind. I want to ask Ooh. our three candidates where they feel about the importance of oh, having good. mental health conversations in our organization. Whether it be on a grand level or on a more granulated level, how do you feel that mental health impacts our community, our organization? And as Pam being the new chair of the Mental Health and Emotional well-being Committee, what do you want her to focus on? Let's start with Terry.
5: Now he gives me the first shot. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
5: oh, goodness. Yes, Pam, I'd like to congratulate you and thank, thank you, you for taking on this position, actually. Um, I think that it is an important issue. Um, I think we have an awful lot of important issues. I think that this... I'm not sure there's, as I said earlier, I think this is going to be a very tricky um, crooked river to get, to get through. Um, maybe because I don't know a whole lot about mental health, but I'm a little less.
1: Uh, You're working a, on a little where less the committee will
5: work in, well
8: the In the scheme of things but might i just say to terry just to interrupt here for a minute terry and i'll say this because you did this today as the parent of someone who had and has had and continues to need mental health supports i think you're an expert <laughs> and that's something we learned right anthony we learned yeah Yes, it is. It isn't just all the professional training and experience. It's what we call the lived experience. So I think, on the other hand, I personally salute you.
5: Well, I thank you. I'm not sure that it's really warranted
8: on my butt, but um, I think that.
5: No, 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 honey. I I think we just have to. I think we need to be careful. Uh, I'm not sure, careful. It's going to need some real definitions, I think. And how much is self-pity, how much is boredom, and how much is true mental uh, illness? I don't know. I I mean, I'm really looking forward to learning a lot from you folks. I really, really (laughs) get That's That's where I really stand on it now is that I really do look forward to learning an awful lot from you folks because... I, 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 yes, I've had, you know, I have had personal, you know, a personal experience with it, but nowhere near to the extent, I don't think that uh, many of that you folks have.
8: I thank Uh, you for asking the the question, because that means we'll have an opportunity to provide the answer instead of deciding what the answer is before we've had a chance to talk about it. So I appreciate that. All
1: right, Gabriel. Gabriel, okay, go I was muted. One. I'm sorry. Okay.
4: <laughs> so, um, I, I think mental. Uh, I I realized something as my parents started. Well, we all are aging. I realized something that uh, uh, one of my health, uh, mental health. Providers told me uh, uh, some months ago when I was uh, trying to, how your
1: parents trying to
4: trying to understand how to better serve my parents into uh, them going into the older age and uh, my uh, this this specific uh, health uh, care provider told me something that really really shook. My foundation, and he told me, Gabriel, you know, our bodies age, and we notice that because it's a physical manifestation. But with our bodies, our minds also age and they morph into something that probably we don't know. And maybe your parents today are not the same parents that you remember from 10, 15, 20 years ago. So you have to understand. That mental health is such an important part of health in general, and and it's so frequently misunderstood. So that um, I, I've been a big proponent of mental health, and I've always had this uh, approach of you know uh, the power of choice and being a life coach, um, uh, just understanding how we make decisions. But what opened my eyes lately has has the fact that we cannot or should not even try to understand why certain people think or act differently because we don't know their path what we do know is that today they are where they are and if they are part of our community they deserve our support and they deserve us holding them up And we do not need to question how they got here and how they and why. What we yes. need to know is that they deserve our support because just like them, maybe they are thinking that we are in a weird place and they may not understand us. But as long as we have the clarity and the understanding that no matter how we got where we are, our mental health requires from each other just simple support Mm -hmm.
1: Mm,
4: yes and before I ask Rachel
1: and I am going to ask Rachel but I think we need to recognize that a good a very good portion of our membership are folks that are aging into this who have lived full and complete lives as sighted individuals now me Mm. I was cut short in my in my prime of life in my in my early I was 40 40, even 40 years old. But, you know, many of our members are 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, and they've lived full and complete lives. And so for them to admit that they're part of our community, it takes something away from their lived experience. I don't feel it. I don't know that in my own personal purveyance. But I understand enough to know that somebody that lived their whole entire life, worked their entire life till they made retirement age, and then two or three years after retirement age, suddenly they're in this visual impairment world. They're nothing less, nothing, nothing, not a single piece, less of who they were, except the fact that now they have to add this piece to their puzzle. Do things differently. And we don't we don't give enough to that segment of our population. But you know, our three new dynamic board members, I know we're going to work on this. Rachel, yeah. what is yeah. what is your answer to Pam's questions and my subsequent questions? And then we have one more hand, and then we're done. <laughs> and thank you, Gabriel, Terry, uh, uh, um, Gabriel for staying for for these additional uh, minutes. Go ahead, Rachel. Think-
3: I don't think Delaney's going to believe me when I finally tell her I'm finally off the phone call. Um, she's been very patient, very patient for a seven year old. Um, We
1: love Delaney girl. Give her a
3: big (laughs) hug and kiss from all of us. I have no problem with that. Um, I think, um, for me, I think we need to, first off, I, I don't know what your goals are, Pam, but I would guess that some of these ideas are going to factor in, um, Sure. We need to let people know it's okay to feel how they feel. Um, that we are surrounding them, supporting them.
1: Yes, and
3: you know it's it's okay. We so many of us have been there. We also need to empower people to recognize if and when there's a mental health issue. You know, there's so many times when you know it gets disguised as one thing or another oh I'm just bored oh it's the pandemic or you know whatever it is
1: or even just it's my blindness
3: well because
1: yeah the, yeah and the it, mental I, health it, depression it. wants to tell you that yeah. whatever your problems are they come from your blindness
3: mm-hmm. right I I think even more so for our community because for so many people especially in rural areas It's more difficult to get out with people. That's why I think the community has just immensely been important. You know, obviously it came because of the pandemic, but it couldn't have come at a better time, because that's what people need: is that support and inclusion, and and not to be in a situation where they're left alone to their own thoughts to wonder what what can I possibly
1: manage this by myself? Yeah.
3: And we need to, so we need to empower people to, my phone won't stop talking. There we go. We need to empower people to, to recognize concerns. And then we need to also empower them to advocate for themselves and give them resources that they can do that or help them with those resources and support them. Um, I don't remember what was your second part of that? (laughs)
1: The second part of that was basically, you know, what is your platform going forward?
3: <sighs> wow. Um, I, again, I, I kind of have considered, you know, there's so many things that I'm interested in. Um, I'm sorry, are you referring to the mental health part or just board in general?
1: Just board in general.
3: Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, I kind of... You know, there's so many issues that that I feel are important advocacy, um, you know, for so many different things, you know, pedestrian signals voting. Um, I kind of consider myself to a degree, a bit of a blank slate as I come onto the board, because I want to see, you know, I've I've been involved in ACB for a long time. Certainly, I know where some of those issues are, or I know what some of the issues are rather, but I want to see. How I can best serve ACB and what role that is on the board, where I can fit in um, best to serve ACB in in those roles. But certainly, you know, advocacy, and, and I'm sure that slate will not be blank as of August 31st. But um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I I want to do whatever I can do to best serve the mission of ACB. And and certainly my passions will factor into that. But I'm certainly open to new things. I When I started to do this, started to consider a board position, that's what intrigued me the most, I think, was to be able to take on new challenges that I hadn't previously done. So um, I, I'm totally open to opportunities.
1: So let's take a moment to celebrate our three new board members and their openness and willingness to understand all the issues from all the places that we come from and that they want to even if they don't instinctively in, understand it from their perspective that they want to make sure that we all have our moment we all have our advocacy we all have our space to to highlight how we feel and what we need from the world Let's take a moment to, to you know, applaud that and then wish our three new members good luck. We have one more hand. We're going to take that in a moment, but everybody put your hands together for our three new board members who are definitely going to take Woohoo. all of our initiatives going forward. Thank you.
3: Thank you. I look right. forward to working with you two <laughs> and the rest All right, of the
1: board. Katie, my love, who is our last hand? And then we're going to close it out for today.
3: We don't have a hand anymore.
1: All right. <laughs> the hand
7: left <laughs> I love then the I meeting.
1: Then I will ask, <laughs> no, then I will ask Rachel, then Terry and then Gabriel to get final thoughts on today. And we're going to close it out. Rachel, you're
3: up. Um, I, 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 I've I had a good time. Um, this has been great. Um, I already knew that I was, I'm going to be working with a great group of people and today just uh, reconfirmed that. Um, so I'm really looking forward to what we can accomplish as a board, what we can accomplish as an organization. Um, I look forward to maintaining dialogue with members. And I want members to feel free to be in touch with me. If there's something that I can do that would, um, you know, help them out as, as an affiliate, help them out as an an individual member of ACB. Um, I just, I want to serve ACB and however I can best do that.
1: So give us one more time, your contact email.
3: It is R- schroeder so that's r s c h r o e d e r dot a c b at outlook.com think of schroeder the peanuts character that'll do it for
1: yeah. you. <laughs> all right terry you're up
5: i want to thank you anthony uh for having us all on today i want to congratulate rachel and gabriel uh for winning so handily on the their positions on the board i'm looking forward to working with the board and working with all of our members in any way that i can um in the future to serve the organization uh i might be the historian but really i'm also um pretty cutting edge when it comes to a lot of other things that have to do with technology And that, and I especially want to work with our affiliates. And I again, I thank you all. And my contact information, um, just because it's easier than my than my real name, uh, is again is visibilities, which is just like disabilities, only with a V, because we are not really disabled. Disabled means you can't work, and. I've worked for almost 50 years, so I'm not uh, agreeing to that. Um, so it's visibilities50 at gmail.com. And uh, uh, thank you, Anthony.
1: You know, we love you, Terry. Absolutely. And Gabriel, how about you?
4: So I just want to start by um, definitely thanking Rachel and uh Terry for sharing this uh, space um, and, you know we we're we're just uh, new in the board but we bring so much different uh, perspectives that uh, I'm sure that we we will together and individually be a great asset to the board I'm very thankful to the ACB membership for trusting me and I just want to tell people that um this is something that not even Anthony knows. But sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I, 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 I say to myself, "I'm a board member," so it's like uh, uh, just just a, a way in which I. I just wanna I just wanna share that with everyone to let you know that I do not take this lightly. It's like. Uh, it's, it's, it's an ultimate realization. It is a, uh, it, it is a milestone and I, and I, whatever I do, I'll make mistakes, but I will never intentionally uh, betray, deceit, or deserve the membership of ACB, uh, because this is something that I treasure too much. Uh, and And I want to be extremely extremely mindful and careful of the work I do and I want to actually bring something bring make a difference and uh, Pam will understand that in in the life coaching environment that is uh, that is something very important for us is Mm -hmm. bringing difference making the difference in someone's life and adding value to someone's life I also want to recognize um The other people who ran and gave us an option for election. Um, Cecily Nipper, who is a great uh, friend. Uh, We'll be here
1: on Sunday edition next week, by the way. Okay. Okay.
4: (laughs) I wanted to speak uh,
1: to Cecily very much because I thought it was extremely, incredibly gracious of her to deny the votes from the floor for her to run again after she put her bid forward it wasn't her time she recognized it wasn't her time we're going to have yes. Cecily here on Sunday edition next week to speak about that
3: I have to say I had the nicest conversation with her afterward um,
8: same
1: here she,
3: I called girl's her and,
8: got guts I don't care what anybody yeah. says she's
1: got guts. she and
3: I had the that best girl, conversation yes. and it that, was, that girl it was
1: has ACB the... at heart
3: <laughs>
5: that's so good to know I have not heard from her since but that is really good to know, and especially her time is very, very close. Obviously,
3: yeah, um, I, I wanted to call. Was her an amazing timely. She was. Yeah.
1: She'll be here on Sunday edition next week, so please, please come back and listen to that conversation because President of 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 Georgia, um, being the representative from A C B Media, who takes care of all the state affiliate conventions. She's got a lot to say and she didn't make it to the board this year, but that doesn't mean that she won't make it to the board in the future. And what she has to say, is definitely worth listening to. So yes, thank you all all for recognizing the fact that Cecily was gracious in her understanding that this year wasn't her year.
3: I told her I'd be calling on her for sure. (laughs) If I ever had questions and I could help her out. So,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're going to close out today's Sunday edition. Gabriel, Terry, and, and Rachel, I can't thank you enough for being part of today's um, Sunday edition. We've gotten your contact information, so I'm sure you're going to get some emails from our listeners. And I hope to have all of you back on Sunday edition soon. Thank you so much for joining us today.
5: Thank
4: you. Thank you.
8: Take care, everybody.
4: Likewise.
8: Thank you. Byron, we love you. Thank you, Byron. Thank you, Byron.
1: Thank
2: you, Byron. Thank you, thank Katie. You, Bye, everybody. And Katie, thank you.
1: Bye,
5: everyone. Bye. Everybody take
2: care. Bye. Bye. Are we off the,
5: air? the recording? <laughs> We're
6: still open. What's